0: Now.
1: Hi, Hello, it is 2 minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 5 in this the month of May, the year of our Lord 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly really ostentatious studios of Rock 101, KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is uh, Thursday and welcome to day 12. It is 503-228-4101, 503-228-4101. On your Thursday morning, Uh, I'm Rick Emerson alongside Sarah X. Dillon and Tim Riley. Also, uh, Greg Nibbler handling phones and contesting on this uh, Thursday. We have a pair of tickets to see Cinematic Titanic live. What is that, you ask? Well, I'm here to tell you that is uh, Joel Hodgson and some of the other folks from the original cast of Mystery Science Theater 3000. They're going to be in town uh, May 29th and 30th at the Newmark Theater, uh, riffing on a different terrible film every night. So We have uh, tickets to that today. Also copies of the Dana Carvey Show uh, on DVD and a pair of tickets for you to go to the Zampire Film Festival all three days that it runs, which is this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday as part of ZombieCon BDX. It's also very exciting. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop will join us today from Los Angeles. I don't really care so much about Miley Cyrus or Hannah Montana so much as I care about Jim Roop excoriating the above two things. So we'll talk to him about that. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum joins us from New York City today where we have... I understand that it's a terrible, tragic loss of life. But there's just, there's just n- no way it, not to be fascinated by the endless, absurd levels to which this Buffalo plane crash thing has just... You said that the guy was making, I think I was making like 12 grand a year or something, the pilot that was flying the plane. Yeah. And I think he'd failed his test like 150 times or something. But that's all right. I mean, just, it was just something just so unbelievably surreal that. Well, in any event. Uh, so, uh, Steve Kastam, I'm joining us today from uh, New York City. We will have Lost in... It's not really Lost in 408. It's it's like Lost in 816 or something, because last night was the two-hour season finale of Lost Season 5. So we'll do that in two segments today. So two-hour finale, two-hour recap. So coming up today at 720 and 820.
2: Well, not a two-hour recap.
1: (laughs) Well, you know what I mean, but it's spread out over two hours. Because it's like, because I, even though I haven't watched the show for a couple seasons, I know that it was apparently, there was a lot of happenings and goings-on. So there's going to be... A lot to cover. So we'll do uh, today's Lost Recap with uh, Chris Paddock and Sarah Dillon in two segments. That's uh, coming up today as well. Plus Kelly Clark from uh, the Willamette Week will be here. And uh, this is all true. Oh, and then I've got, I don't have time to discuss it right now, but I've got from the Radio TV interview report, which is both the greatest and worst thing that's ever happened uh, to, you know, to, to radio. Because you, what this basically is, is it, it's an entire catalog that they send radio stations about twice a month for last-minute guests. So it's like the guy we had that grew up with John Wayne Gacy out of the radio TV interview report. The guy that did the speed pimping guide, radio TV interview report. Mm -hmm. So it's just like these absolute bottom of the barrel guests. I'll just say it, including this guy. Could your elderly neighbor be a Nazi? This author says that the answer apparently is yes, by the way. I'll just skip to the bottom of the page. This author says there are still war criminals living in the United States. I'm tempted to book this guy who has written the "Could Your Elderly Neighbor Be a Nazi?" Uh, book. I'm tempted to get him on the show just so by the end of the interview I can be on the phone calling the police to report all of my neighbors. You know what I mean? Just get about forty or fifty seconds into the interview and just you know just pick up my cell phone and begin calling the man. Uh, we're joined today, as always, by uh, the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello, how are you?
2: Hey, sorry when you were talking about the Nazi thing, I was just thinking of that movie "App Pupil."
1: Yes. Oh, that
2: movie is disturbing.
1: It really is. So, But apparently I could be surrounded by Nazis in my very own neighborhood. Oh, so, so. look you. One must be on guard at all times. How was Lost?
2: It was amazing. It was like the greatest episode episodes ever.
1: Here's the weird thing about Lost is that people, I don't know whether they just confuse you and I or whether they figure that, that you and I, it's sometimes like with Tim where they think Tim and I, as Conan O'Brien once said about Andy Richter, Sometimes people think Tim and I get done with the show and then we get on a tandem bicycle and we ride home to, to like, and we, we sleep on bunk beds in the same like dorm room or something. And I think people have that that theory about you and I, too, that we're ju- like joined to the hip all the time. Because even though I'm kind of... It's not that I have anything against the show. I just sort of drifted away from it and haven't watched it in a while. But mm-hmm. people started messaging me like five minutes into Lost last night. OMG, did you see what just happened? And I messaged back, dear guy. No, I haven't seen what happened for four years. Thanks anyway. Love you. No, it it thanks was for ridiculous. listening.
2: I had to turn off my phone because people kept writing me. And I'm like, oh, and I was so afraid that somebody's uh, TV or something would be ahead of mine. So I didn't want to have any spoilers. But it was, yeah, it was ridiculous and amazing. And Excellent. I'm so excited to talk about it.
1: Was it surprising?
2: Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, and there was a yeah very surprising death. And the twist that it always takes, Lost always impresses me. I'm so excited for next season, which is coming in a year.
1: I understand, and this is not a spoiler to the best of my knowledge, I understand the four-toed monster statue made another appearance.
2: It sure did.
1: I love that thing. I don't know anything about, about the show that's going on at this point, but that statue fascinates me.
2: Honestly, the first um, like three minutes of the first episode yesterday were... Um, the, it was the best uh, episode opener I've ever seen.
1: All right. And it featured the statue. It was really, really cool. So we'll have a two-part Lost recap coming up uh, later on today as well. Let's pay a visit to Tim Riley at the News Desk.
3: In the News with Tim Riley.
4: Yeah, some of these airline pilots on these small airlines, they make twelve fifty an hour. <laughs> That's $12.50 as compared to a New York cabbie who starts at $17 an hour. Wow, sign me up. So we'll get we'll have more on this a little bit later. God Almighty! I mean, it's a little bit more than the people who clean the carpets. It's disconcerting, is what it is. Well, the thing is, don't buy a ticket on an airline you've never heard of. No. <laughs> Seriously, let's begin with that. No, <laughs> Colgan Airlines.
1: <laughs> no, no, I think I'll pass. I'll pass on that very much. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's, uh, everybody's going to start somewhere. I mean, I, there are certain things that, you know, which you're willing to sort of you know, buy a cut-rate service. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm going to buy a bottle of shampoo, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, if it's like a couple days till payday, I can sort of scrape by with some, something on the bottom shelf. But this airlines, that seems like a thing where you, uh, you know, where well, your money's really probably going to be buying you
4: something. Jeez. Well, more about that later. Okay. It is disconcerting, isn't it? A battleground teenager has been expelled for trying to sell a loaded gun at school
1: does everybody in Battleground already have loaded guns? Doesn't that just come as a door prize for being born in that place? I would think so. I, I heard Battleground was upper crust. No, that's... Really? Yes. Oh, I know who told you that. Uh-huh. Are we thinking of the same person? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, it's all relative, I suppose.
4: Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, it was a twenty-five caliber pistol. It was in the case inside his backpack. The officer said the gun was reported stolen from Portland House in 1989. Changed ownership a few times. There's no evidence the student planned to use it. Instead, he just hoped to sell it well listen to this parade of progress an oregon company will turn dairy waste into biofuel this is diesel uh, brewing of salem they plan to burn either dairy or wood waste to create liquid butanol through a process called gasification the (laughs) wave of (laughs) gasification is that really what they're calling it Mm -hmm. In capital letters
1: okay by the way uh, speaking of Look, I'm uh, I'm sure it's a fine company, but speaking of things that, uh, that sound cold, what's that? Colgate Airlines or whatever it is that Colgan, the, Colgan Airlines. Gasification sounds like it's uh, some sort of guy whose bib overalls keep falling off as he's standing in front of the barn trying to talk seriously to uh, you know to to a news station about how he's created a perpetual motion device in his storm cellar, and then he says a lot of things like city slickers and big town folk.
4: Anyway, it looks like another uh, cop has kicked somebody in the head in California. We'll have to ask Jim Group about this. This is on the video. There are always TV copters flying around, and they always catch them every time for some reason. This happened in El Monte, California. They're conducting an internal investigation. Well, it's obvious that it happened. Uh, apparently, the cop kicked the suspect in the head. Following a high-speed car chase, he probably deserved it. I was just. But you s- really can't do it I was on camera. <laughs> I
1: was say, is this someone who clearly had it coming? Probably much worse than he got it. If you're in a
4: high-speed chase in Southern California, disrupting the lives of millions. I mean, people are trying to get home during prime news time, <laughs> which is when these happen. You deserve a kick in the head. You deserve a if savage warning
1: All right, excellent.
4: So, uh, the driver of the car is Richard Rodriguez of Almonte. He's booked on well several charges. And the suspect was allegedly throwing gang signs throughout the state. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: like, yeah, I think like we all understand what needs to happen in this situation. Mel, you got a foot in the head.
4: Hey, uh, by now the way. Now
1: people are complaining. As, as we, on that note, don't let me forget that we got to ask Jim Rube, whatever happened to that guy that got shot by the cops in Oakland, right outside the bar? Remember that? It was like nine different people got it on their cell phone. Oh, yeah. And it was, that story just sort of vanished to where the guy was handcuffed on the ground, and then all of a sudden one of the cops just decides to shoot him.
4: And well, people lose interest. And then all the hotheads cool down and say, yeah, maybe he did deserve it.
1: <laughs> it's the Rick Eversett Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Uh, straight ahead, CNN radio correspondent Steve Kassenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the always lucid Scott Weiland. Coming back after this, it's Rock 101 KUFO on Thursday morning.
5: Now broadcasting everywhere,
1: at all times, to everyone, in accordance with prophecy.
5: The Rick Emerson Show. Live or via podcast at KUFO.com.
1: It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Coming up later on this hour, Tim Riley at the news desk, who is following these headlines for you on your Thursday morning.
4: Jay Leno claims someone masqueraded as a priest to try to gain access to him in his hospital room. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, tomorrow will be National Bite to Work Week, and cuties are being recalled. I don't know what cuties. Wait, what? Okay, cuties. First, what are cuties? You probably don't eat them. No. You have to be lactose intolerant to know what cuties are. All right. Well, uh, they're non-dairy ice cream sandwiches. Put that on my list of things
1: cuties. to do. Are those like the skinny cow sandwiches? You guys have, have you had those? No. Yeah,
2: I like those. those are good. I think
1: they sell those at Trader Joe's. Those are quite something. Speaking of Trader Joe's, I have Joe's. cuties every now and then. <laughs> well. Anywho, uh, in just a moment, we'll uh, speak to Steve Kastenbaum from New York City. But it should be noted that uh, that Tim Riley just now during the break was trying to make some. When when our sister station uh, couple moved over here, I guess like two weeks ago uh, from the Coin Tower, to where they've been for a long time, they moved into this building and they brought us all these sort of uh, the kind of reverse housewarming gifts. Where they brought like, they brought Sarah some Easy Mac and they brought me some coffee, and then they brought Tim this tinned oatmeal, and it's got this, this sort of Irish McCann's oatmeal.
4: Irish oatmeal. Yeah, it's
1: got this weird, like, metal seal on the top. you got to break or whatever. And so just not during the break, it, Tim actually it, it went to make some of it, and he discovered that, hey, well, you have to simmer it for 30 minutes because it is, in fact, oatmeal porridge.
4: It, it looks like uh, bird food that you put in the bird feeder in the wintertime. I mean, I'm sure it's wonderful. But I, that, I tried some by just adding some hot water. No. That, that prompted a whole discussion
1: about what is porridge, which is sort of like, as a kid, I would sit there and wonder what frankincense and myrrh actually were. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. How are you today?
5: Good morning. I'm doing well. Hey, do you know what porridge is by chance? I only know it from uh, the fairy tale.
1: That's what I'm saying. Everybody knows it from Goldilocks and the Three Bears, but nobody really has any sort of knowledge beyond that. So,
5: I presume it's some sort of wheat hot breakfast meal.
1: I guess. And, and Tim was sort of squinting and looking at the top of the of the oatmeal can and saying, I can't read this. It's all written in Irish. And I really had no response to that, so it's uh, it remains a mystery food uh, as of now. Let me a- ask you about this uh, Buffalo plane crash, which is, I mean, there's sort of there's there's two different uh, sort of concurrent tracks for this story. One is obviously you know the the, the tragic loss of life and just the, the fact that there was this this horrible accident that happened with the with this with this airplane. Uh, but on the other hand, you've got just all this. I mean, it really just has to be. There's no way to describe it other than it just terrifying and a little insane. That some of the, these pilots were making like twelve fifty an hour or something, and then you listen to um, the recreation of some of the black box recordings, and they were kind of talking about the ice on the wings of the plane as though they were. At, Tim put it this way: you listen to the recordings of the the, the moments of the, the plane like before it before the accident happens. And it's almost like it was some people watching a YouTube video of some other people landing a plane because they kept saying things like, look at all the ice on those wings. Wow, that's going to make it difficult to land. I pity whoever has to do that. And it was just so weird. So, like, what is the story with this airline?
5: You know, I was uh, talking with a friend of mine who's a pilot about the transcript, and he said it's actually shocking uh, to read what they were saying in that cockpit below 10,000 feet, given the weather conditions they were in, that... Uh, you can lose uh, 10 or, or 20 knots in a couple of seconds in your airspeed and go into a stall in a weather condition like that, you know, at the snap of a finger. And he said in conditions like that, the pilot and the co-pilot should have been constantly calling out airspeeds and elevations uh, as they descended towards the airport. You have to be uh, hyper-aware of what's going on with the condition of the aircraft in those conditions. And he said it was it was really shocking to him when he read the transcripts to see what was going on there, and and how he also got the impression that the pilot was you know sort of hitting on uh, or or flirting with the the co-pilot, the younger, pretty co-pilot. Who, by the way, according to a statement put out by Colgan Air this morning, uh, they said, "quote In fact, her annual salary was twenty three thousand nine hundred, just below the average of twenty four hundred for the first officers at Colgan. The average salary for a Q four hundred captain is sixty seven thousand dollars annually." So. Colgan Air doing some damage control today. They did it again uh, yesterday when they released all these statements about uh, training. They were saying that uh, reports that the captain did not receive specific training for the type of conditions he was in were untrue. But that sort of contradicts some of the testimony that we heard uh, the day before. So it's really not clear, uh, you know, exactly what this Pilot, uh, you know, learned about stick shutters, stick shakers, as they call
1: it. It's so weird because I'm looking at this story and they're talking about a guy from the National Transportation Safety Board, and he's using these phrases such as, "This is what he says." He says, "Quote: Some of these regional airlines get pilots who aren't really the cream of the crop," which is not really the kind of thing that fills you with enthusiasm for flying on the on some of these smaller airlines. And he notes, they note here in the story that this uh, that Rebecca Shaw, who was the who was the co-pilot. Actually, um, it's an earned an annual salary of just $16,200 and at one point was actually having to moonlight at a coffee shop after her shift of flying airplanes during the day.
5: Yeah, well, um, apparently, yeah, Colgan is saying, you know, that was just the base salary for the number of hours that she worked. But then you have to factor in all the overtime and and, and, and different pay increases she got because of, you know, hour, additional hours or waiting longer or t- turnarounds and, and, and whatnot. So that's why they put out that statement today about uh, her making close to 24 grand but i am i'm told that that's uh you know kind of typical for a first officer or a co-pilot on the commuter airlines like this and they say that's one of the problems here that the pay is so low for them that they they you know there's not a lot of incentive to stay in the business and you really have to you know have this incredible desire to to be a pilot and move up through the system you know Pilot pay was a big issue for uh, the hero captain, Captain Sullenberger, who landed the right. aircraft in the Hudson River. When he testified uh, on Capitol Hill about this, he said decreasing pilot salaries and 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 the fact that they all lost their uh, their retirement, uh, uh, you know uh, what what they were going to use for retirement retirement money. you know they they all lost uh, their their pensions. When uh, when the airlines you know sort of went bankrupt and had to restructure, he said it's resulting in, in less experienced pilots in the cockpit. That they've lost the cream of the crop.
1: I think Tim was noting uh, Tim Riley noted that this is sort of like th- this is one of those situations where you're going to buy your plane ticket that maybe name brands are the way to go. Maybe if you haven't heard of the airline, you ought to just keep on moving down the uh, down the counter until you find something that uh, sounds rings a little more familiar. It's sort of like it's the difference between buying. I don't know, like an air freshener at the dollar store and then deciding that you're going to buy your toothpaste at the dollar store, you know, and especially, you know, you look at the label and it's all misspelled and there's, you know, there's, there's like a logo that's a big purple donut or something. And you say to yourself, no, I, I think I'll find some aqua fresh.
5: Well, you know, what the the other problem is with that, you know, people who bought tickets for this flight went through Continental Airlines. They didn't know that uh, they wouldn't be on an, an actual Continental owned plane that, you know, this is a commuter run, uh, and and all of these shorter runs are, are usually subcontracted out to to Colgan Air and other commuter airlines, like you know Delta Connections, uh, for example. You know, is is, is a commuter airline that's uh, subcontracted by Delta, but. When you buy a ticket for Delta, that's that's what you may be put on.
4: It's also unfathomably disturbing. Their website yeah. says Colgan is recognized for the exceptional service levels it provides its customers.
1: I think you need to hit refresh on that. It doesn't sound as though it's been updated for what they're recognized for. All
5: right. You know, it's clear. I've been, I've been watching. I'll make this quick. I've been watching the hearings the last two days nonstop. And what's emerging is a, a, a picture of a confluence of events that all contributed to this crash. It isn't any one thing. It wasn't just the pilot's experience. It wasn't just the training it wasn't just the the low pay it wasn't just the weather conditions it was all of these things coming together uh, at once that that caused this to happen
1: and on that creepy note we'll uh we'll ask this question are you on uh, tomorrow sir
5: I'll tell you this: I won't be flying anywhere soon. Uh, yeah, yes, I am on tomorrow. Just uh, go everywhere.
1: Just go everywhere via like Pony Express at this point.
5: I'm taking right. Amtrak because you know it's really hard for them to get off the rails. You know. All right,
4: thank you, Steve Castor, out of New York City. Thank you, my friend.
5: My pleasure. All right. There goes.
1: Unless
4: they're texting. That's L- like in Boston, I guess some guy was texting someone when he was supposed to be running the subway, and there was a huge crash there.
1: Uh, really, we ought to just stay in our homes and never leave. That's them. the way so I like it. Try. Well, let's let's begin doing that. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Straight ahead, more from Tim Riley at the news desk. Stay right there. Indeed. It's funny because it's true, Sarah. It is uh, the Rick Emerson Show. It's Thursday. It's 503-228-4101. Still ahead today, we have Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com, Jim Roop from CNN Radio Los Angeles, and Lost in 408, as well as tickets to see Cinematic Titanic. At the news desk, this is your personal savior, Tim Riley.
4: In the news with Tim Riley. Two crooks break into a Salem coin shop, tase and handcuff the owner, and then ransack the joint. Happened around noontime, a friend of the owner called the cops. After he got to the shop on Commercial Street Southeast, found the doors locked, windows covered. The two men subdued the owner with a taser before handcuffing him. And then they cover the windows and spend a good amount of time smashing display cases. What a bunch of jerks. Uh, <laughs> seriously? <laughs> what, what else can we think about
1: that? <laughs> That's sort of an inverted pyramid of observation. Right there. You start with the... that They smash windows, they tie the guy up, they tase him... They destroy his livelihood. They engage in personal, physical, violent assaults, and there really is no way to summarize that other than to classify them as being "quote a, b- a bunch of jerks." Really, I mean, I guess you can't boil well, it down any to have finer their than that. Teeth
4: pulled out with pliers without anesthesia. <laughs> Maybe that'll stop them next time. What? Where did this happen? Was Salem? It, but I mean, what? Where, where was this? Was it like at a grocery store? No, or something? This is a coin shop, like on a commercial street south. Like a coin collector shop, yes. one of those. Mm-hmm. All right, so they. Damn this
1: numismatic tomfoolery!
4: I mean, seriously. All right. Well, an operation... Here's happy news. An operation allows a man to see after 17 years. Ed is his name. And back in 1992, Ed's eyes were badly burned in an industrial accident, making him only uh, able to see foggy outlines of people. Can you imagine that every day? Uh, so human tissue transplants failed, but Thursday, Dr. Nita Shami of Emanuel's Eye Institute, replaced his cornea, the lens of his left eye, with a thin plastic material, and within hours he could see.
1: Oh, so, yeah, I, there was a thing about this in yesterday's Oregonian, uh, and once I was done with the bridge column, I moved on to You're the front You're never page. too
4: old to read the Oregonian.
1: <laughs> really, that's the truest statement you've, you've ever made, Tim. There's mm-hmm. there's really nothing but veracity inside those words. So I read this yesterday, and they had a whole article about it where basically they f- f- permanently implanted a, a contact lens into the guy's eye. And that's basically what it was. is It's sort of a replacement corny, but they just grafted it on, and it was a completely artificial material. It was kind of cool, actually.
4: Mm-hmm. So we'll see more and more of this. He has 2040 vision. And can now see more than he's been able to see for 17 years. Yeah, now
1: that's uh, that is fantastic. It was, and it's pretty amazing actually, because they were talking about how the guy it was some yeah it was some mishap with like an industrial yeah. solvent or something or other, and it messed up his eyes. And he was just yeah he couldn't really see anything except for these sort of vague outlines of everything. And then they just created a brand new cornea like in a dish, and then they went and, like stapled it to his eye or something, and bam, one
4: fixed eye. It's fantastic. Here's Tim Riley. That chimpanzee who attacked that woman in Connecticut they had Xanax in the system, police and prosecutors still deciding whether the chimpanzee's owner will face criminal charges in that attack. This uh, 14-year-old chimp named Travis was killed after it attacked the owner, Sandra Harrell's friend and employee, Carla, back in February. She has traumatic injuries to the face, brain, lost her hands, has broken bones, and whatnot. She's recovering at the Cleveland Clinic as much as she can possibly recover with all that stuff lost. I
1: mean, what, to what she, state is she? I mean, what kind of recovery could you possibly? Uh, I mean, she's basically a schmoo at this point.
4: I mean, she's probably kept in a box with wheels or something. <laughs> well, the 71-year-old woman told authorities she had given the drug to the pet to calm him down. How did that work? <laughs> how does, how is, uh, I was mean, that? You know, maybe he spit out the pill. <laughs> Maybe if they put it in a banana or a hot dog or something, it may have worked better. We don't know. No, actually, it was in the system, so he did swallow it.
1: You're just picturing the, you're just picturing the monkey as some sort of like a Hannibal Lecter type where he's secreting the pill underneath his tongue. Mm-hmm. Is a thank you very much, Officer Bob Brady, or whatever. And then, uh, you know, and then he's just bind the drawings, please. And the next thing you know, it's just uh, one missing face. Wow. All right. What can you do? Imagine how violent he would be if she wasn't dosing him with Xanax. Mm-hmm. Good God almighty. Well, let's do uh, one more here, and then uh, on the other side, we'll uh, talk to CNN Radio Correspondent Jim Rupp.
4: Well, a suspected drug dealer led the cops on a 90-mile-an-hour chase in Indiana. He was arrested when he started at the uh, Taco Bell. 36-year-old Jermaine Cooper told the officers he knew he was going to jail, and he wanted to stop and get one last burrito.
1: We'll just go out on that tag. It is 503-228-4101. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Coming up later on, CNN radio correspondent, Jim Roop. Tickets to see Cinematic, Titanic, as well as Lost in 408, and more with Tim Riley. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101, K-U-F-O. Portland. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It is Thursday morning. Coming up in this hour, seeing a radio correspondent, Jim Roop, as well as Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Later on, a two-part Lost recap. Lost in 408. It's uh, spread over two hours. Two installments of that. Seven o'clock hour, eight o'clock hour. It's I'm such a night. dork. I
2: haven't been able to stop looking at the message boards.
1: Have you bought Lost merchandise yet? I saw you perusing the store.
2: I really want to because my friends that I actually... Oh god oh whatever i'm in it all right so my friends and i were talking about dressing as you know the dharma initiative for home and then i looked on the website at lost.com and they they sell you know like the dharma initiative jumpsuits
1: that's fantastic. Which
2: I think I could make instead of buy. You no, know, because the jumpsuits t- tem- online are like eighty bucks.
1: You should totally sell. You know, like you, they, they, I don't know if they still do this. I'm assuming they do, but like you know, like you, that you go to J.C. Pennings or whatever, and they would sell those dress patterns that you buy. Mm-hmm. And there's like the weird washed out pastel woman on the front, and like a like a pink, you know, like a pink nightgown, and so you know, easy to make at home. And then you would buy it and you'd take it home, and your mom would, you know, like whatever, what, you know, like because my mom was in it. She was making a lot of our own clothes when we were a kid. But they ought to sell some sort of. Uh, they ought to sell some some sort of like do it yourself, or you should make and then sell a make your own like Dharma Initiative uh, oh, garb. They have outfit. so many
2: cool um, t shirts on there too. Like they have all of the different stations, like with the different symbols on the front of them. No,
1: no. I will say it's this: so it's, it, it, it's a thing that I have to watch at some point. when it, at this point, I don't even want to bother. Like I, there's only one season left, and it seems like it would be stupid for me to try to cram seasons two, three, four, and five into like the next 10 months or something. And, I and just, honestly, uh,
2: it's it's difficult to watch because I'm watching it with some friends who I've watched the entire series, but I'm watching with friends who've um kind of missed bits and pieces in the right. first few episodes. But now the payoff is coming because I'm watching it now, the fifth season, and things are being called back that happen, you know, in the first and second season. Right. And my friends that I'm watching it with don't really understand what's going on. And I'm just like, oh, that's why you know that happened. So
1: I'd be better served by just waiting and, and watching the entire six seasons all at once or whatever. I think
2: that, yeah, I think if you let yourself sit down and watch a few episodes, you'll become obsessed with it and be able to get
1: through the I did. thing. Here's here's how fascinating is the whole Lost uh phenomenon is, though, that I was actually sitting and was reading the Ain't It Cool message board for Lost last night as the episode was airing, even though I wasn't watching the show and haven't for several years, just to sort of see the reactions because if you look at this the headings on the posts it starts off with like can't wait for tonight episode only 12 minutes left i wonder what's gonna happen hey what's up with Locke? what's that creepy thing and then later on it's oh mfg what just happened jesus god almighty uh so it just just seeing the way that people respond to it and then of course you know all like the the viral stuff like the those uh those spots that played uh the 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 promos that played on kufo and then the promos that played on the website as well which is the sort of um, the rules in action promos that we played before the launch of this show when the show moved from 970 to, to KUFO. Those were all kind of based on those Dharma Initiative We should videos. play one of
2: those. I haven't heard them in a while.
1: I have one racked up. We'll get to it later. But it's, so that stuff is, that casts a really big shadow, the production value of, of all of those things on Lost. So anyway, we'll talk about oh, that.
2: Yeah. It was amazing. It was like watching a movie because it was two hours long. You know, and there wasn't any separation between the two episodes. It was hey, basically two hours of madness.
1: Have you ever played the video game Mist? Did you play that?
2: You know, I have. I, I played it a couple times because my dad had it. I never figured
1: it out. The, the, Lost has always seemed to me as though J.J. Abrams was stoned one night playing Mist and decided to create a television it's show exactly out of it. That's
2: exactly what it's like. It's yeah. a, a jungle with like creepy things that, that aren't supposed to be there, you know, that come out of nowhere.
1: Totally. And you're like walking around an island and there's a, like a big lever on the side of a tree that you pull and like something somewhere, like a panel opens.
2: Dude, I have to say they showed the statue review. Last night they've showed the statue in its full form for mm-hmm. the first time. Last night it's freaky. That's Fantastic. why you'll be yeah you'll be obsessed with the statue. Excellent.
1: Tim Riley is uh, tracking the following stories on your uh, whatever the hell this is Thursday.
4: Filmed in Portland, Management with Jennifer Aniston and Steve Zahn opens this weekend. It has mixed reviews, such as
1: well. They're not really mixed, are they? <laughs> You're busy looking for the one positive glow in the view that you can see to try to balance
4: it out. Find the one not Uneven, incoherent, to and flimsy. <laughs> it is a modest charmer. Well that's nitpicking, isn't it?
2: Charmer, charmer. A modest is good.
1: charmer. Really? Is that like when the is that is that like a appallingly creepy <laughs> You're sure that you're reading reviews of of that movie, right? Yes, I am. Not
4: of something else. <laughs> Management poor, is appallingly creepy. Poor scriptwriting decisions and a failure to advance the romance <laughs> in a gradual, credible fashion. Well, that's fantastic. It dooms whatever chances is good to capture the audiences. <laughs> <laughs> it opens citywide Friday.
1: Anytime you're using the phrase "dooms" and "appalling" inside a review. I'm saying that the movie is going to trend downward in box office returns.
4: Well, it opens all over. Tom,
1: hey Tim, did I mention that according to the radio TV interview report, your elderly neighbor could be a Nazi? Yes, I hope so. All right, I I, I feel like I had to book this guy. So I'm looking at the radio TV interview report. Oh, so this is I got uh, several copies of this. They all arrived at once yesterday. It's supposed to come twice a month, and the earlier one didn't arrive. But I got both copies on the same day. So. Last, uh, the last issue here on the front it says the radio TV interview report. The magazine to read for guests and show ideas. The big marquee guest on the front. What's it like to be the daughter of Ronald and Nancy Reagan? Interview Patty Davis to find out, Tim. Uh, I wish she'd go away. (laughs) Well,
2: (laughs) are those all the same one?
1: The fact that she's on the cover of the radio TV interview report indicates that perhaps your wish is in the process of being fulfilled. What?
2: Can we please to be going through those during the break and all of us pick one person we want to interview? Yes.
1: Uh, Yes, we can. Uh, So, Patty Davis has written this book. Apparently, Tim, your audience... This is from Mother's Day. A great Mother's Day show. Interview Patty Davis about being Nancy Reagan's daughter. Your audience will be enchanted by the stories shared by former first daughter and acerbic wit Patty Davis, who realized that sometime around the age of 40, our mothers live deep inside us. Uh, Apparently, she's the... Seven? She's the author of seven books?
4: Seven books? (laughs) How is that
1: possible? (laughs) I mean, I guess it doesn't say that they've been published or read by anybody, but her. I mean, maybe she just wrote them and then they went into a steamer trunk in the basement somewhere. <laughs> All right. Well, in any event, so uh, she's the author of seven books, apparently. Uh, and then, of course, could your elderly neighbor be a Nazi? And then uh, followed up right here. And then uh, let's see. It's the uh, we've got this. This resonated. This is uh, page twenty-three here. Well, we've got uh, we've got uh, we've got the. Um, Pizza guy tells you how to find love with women you've never seen before, which is apparently some guy who delivers pizzas and is going to tell you how to, like, stoop women that order something. How about this? This expert helps you fix your job live on the air. Huh? That doesn't sound awkward. He's a job uh, he's, a, he's a job analyst, Sarah. Got issues at work? This expert will help you fix your job live on the air. Mm. It sounds too good to be true. Live on the air. He'll help you fix your job. Okay, fine. On the air is when that would happen. Mm -hmm. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Coming up in this hour, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com as well as Jim Roof from CNN Radio Los Angeles. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's 503-228-4101. Thank you for joining us today. I love the Internet. In mere moments, uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com will be joining us uh, later on today. We have CNN Radio Correspondent Jim Roop lost in 408, actually a two-parter of the day because of last night's uh, two-hour finale. Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week and your chance to win tickets to Cinematic Titanic. Tim Riley is tracking the following stories on this Thursday
4: morning. Okay, we have a lot of things to talk about. Verizon is selling both its Oregon and Washington operations. That'll be to the benefit of all, I'm sure. A Happy Valley woman injured when a car came crashing through her place of business. An old fellow stepped on the gas instead of the brake. Blah blah blah. blah. And we have a clip with Jennifer Aniston and Steve Zahn in management. It's just the appalling. It'll make your day.
1: Appallingly creepy and completely ill-conceived management starring Tim Riley's car. It is. All right. Excellent. Let's welcome now to the
4: Rick Emerson Show
1: uh, from MrSkin.com, the online celebrity nudity database. Our good friend, Mister Skin. Good morning, and how are you, sir?
3: Doing great, Rick. Doing great. Uh, hey, um, there's a the big movie hitting theaters this weekend is that Da Vinci Code sequel, Angels and Demons. It's uh, directed by Ron Howard and stars Tom Hanks. And if you remember, in the Da Vinci Code, there was a very hot uh, girl agent named Audrey Tattoo, who is French, and being that she's French you know that she's done quite a bit of nudity in her career because all french actresses of course it's uh... required that they do nudity but uh... this version uh... angels and demons has a uh... audrey is not in it but a a newcomer is in there an israeli actress named i yell who co-stars with tom hanks and she's beautiful as you could imagine and uh... um... luckily if you search her or if you know how to spell her name and search her at mr you'll see that she did a movie in 2007, called Fugitive Pieces, in which she's naked. Uh, obviously, uh, PG 13, no nudity in Angels and Demons, but the star, co star of Angels and Demons, uh, Ayela Zur has done great nudity in uh, Fugitive Pieces, so keep an eye out for that. She, we've been getting a lot of searches uh, on her at com Also, uh, Star Trek of course the big movie right now everyone's talking Star Trek and there's two girls in the movie that we've been getting a lot of questions about one is the Green Bay Rachel yeah. Nichols uh who um, is uh, in real life has blonde hair and uh is uh very busty very good looking and uh she's never been naked she did a do you remember uh, Rick the uh uh, dumb and Dumber sequel when Harry met Lloyd. The, the was a, dumb
1: and Dumberer, yeah, yeah, it
3: was it was bad. But she was in a bikini in that and made out with Mimi Rogers. So that's a nice precursor to future n- n- nudity. So hopefully she'll do something soon. And then we 've had a lot of interest in this Zoe Saldana, the Hispanic uh, beautiful girl in uh, Star Trek, who does get into her underwear she 's never been naked either, so um, for anyone out there, none of the Star Trek uh, stars have been naked, but uh, hopefully some nudity on the horizon. Uh, also, they released this week the curious case of Benjamin Button on dVD and uh, the good news is there 's nudity from Kate Blanchett The bad news is. The scene seems to be filmed from a helicopter, and she's on a beach, so it's so far away you could barely see anything. In fact, I'm a little worried. I can't tell if I'm looking at Kate Blanchett or Brad Pitt, but I do see a butt. But, but uh, our, our skin scouts have. Cons- Confirmed, it's Kate Blanchett, but it's tough to enjoy from a helicopter view. But anyway, the curious case of Benjamin oh, Button is uh, out on DVD, and there is nudity a, in that.
1: As you know, as high definition technology increases, sir, and expands on all horizons, perhaps that will become more clear in the future.
3: Yeah, but you know what? I'll prefer my nudity shot uh, right in the room, not from a, a helicopter,
1: not from three counties so. away. Actually, yeah. <laughs> as always, doing the Lord's work, my friend. Thank all you right, so
3: man, much. Take care. Oh, there you go, Mr. Skin,
1: for Mr. Skin. Uh, dot com. I should have anticipated that that green-skinned chick from uh, Star Trek would, uh, would just... Uh, uh, nerds everywhere would just be clamoring to know more about her. All right, I'm going to go uh, look her up online as soon as we're done here. Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, let's pay a visit to your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley.
4: So Verizon is reaching a deal to sell scattered phone service areas in 13 states, including its Oregon business interest for $5.3 billion in stock. This hasn't big Verizon cell phone news series. The buyer is Frontier Communications, based in Connecticut. The company focuses on serving small towns and rural areas. Wait, so is, Verizon's not
1: going out of business. They're no. just selling the operations in certain smaller markets. Yes. All
4: right. Uh, Oregon and Washington State. West Virginia. So this is
1: just a... Okay, so they, they're just they're divesting themselves of some ancillary interests.
4: That is correct, yes. A happy Valley woman injured when a car came crashing through her place of business. 35-year-old Sarah Hall working at Johnny's Number 2. She was installing a security system when a car driven by 18-year-old Ernest Blair came through the wall. Blair hit the car's accelerator instead of the brake. He was taken to OHSU, non-life-threatening injuries, and the lady wasn't badly hurt. Police have arrested two men in connection with an armed robbery at the Rite Aid store in Salem. One man walked directly to the uh, pharmacy counter, jumped over, held a large knife to the worker's throat. He demanded narcotics took off. He was picked up by another male friend in a faded red Toyota. They've arrested 23-year-old Eric Lane, 23-year-old Sean Savage. Both men facing numerous charges being held in Marion County Jail. So, opening this weekend is a Jennifer Aniston, Steve Zahn movie shot in the Portland metro area. It's entitled Management. And we're very, very fortunate to have uh, one of the finer clips of it. Is this going to be uh, some compelling audio from this upcoming film? Was it open today, you said? It opens this week. It opens on the 15th. All right. Is all it, over town in the suburbs.
1: Is the movie, uh, I don't know anything about it, except that, uh, except that your car is in it at one point. And is this, I, I know I've asked this before. There's more but to I, it than that, though. Uh, but I, I sort of, but but it all it all blends well, together it, in my head. Maybe that is the highlight. Is this, I is, think
2: Tim's car might be the highlight. Is <laughs>
1: this the film where your head was blocked by the head of Jennifer Aniston?
4: I was sitting there waiting for them to take the Arizona plates off my car. Right, at a table right next to where they were filming. Right, so you may see the back of my head. Oh, okay. was she?
2: Was she pretty in person?
4: Yeah, she's beautiful. Yeah, she cool. seems like legitimately. She perfect and a nice woman. I, I thought she, she was. Uh, very normal, I thought. She had a pleasant vibe. Yeah, she did. She was smiling and very happy. Steve, I mean, Steve Zahn came across as a jerk, though. I, really, a really bad vibe from him.
1: Well, doesn't he seem like he's like he's stoned most of the time yeah. too? I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying from he my. He seems like he might
2: from, have a, like little man syndrome. or Yeah, something.
1: I, well, oh, and, and that, and he, that could be
2: true. That could be, yeah. And he just, he's not very attractive.
1: He seems kind of moody as well. That's the vibe I've gotten off of him in interviews where he just seems very, he seems like one of those guys where, pardon me, where he's, you know, he's an artiste. And so therefore it's kind of a bother for him to have to talk to people when he's not, when he's not creating um jennifer Anderson has had a, a hard uh year year and a half uh i think she's uh she's gone through some personal ups and downs of her own so perhaps that that is why she's looking a little drawn lately but she does seem to be a legitimately um a legitimately pretty woman She be really very attractive in person uh all right i so mean the- she was
4: the prettiest woman in a lower that day i think <laughs> by a mile setting the i don't bar- think anybody came even close setting the bar high all right,
1: uh, so this is a, a clip from the upcoming uh, the, the Jennifer Aniston, Steve Zahn film, Management, which opens, I guess, She's this dead. afternoon.
4: Having a conversation with that uh, co-star Steve Zahn somewhere.
2: Does it ever work? Never. What What would constitute
0: having
1: it work? Uh, Us having sex? Oh. <sighs> she said, you getting to touch my butt? Well, oh. that would... Yeah.
4: Will it happen? Go to the movies and find out. Wow, I, uh, I'm on the edge of my seat. It's a real cliffhanger, Tim. All right. Well, well, it's the most excitement that people hang around Big Lots that day probably would have seen. <laughs> is the movie supposed to be creepy? I mean, is
3: that no. the
1: deal?
2: Is no. it? <laughs> She's a pretty lady, but she seems like she just makes bad decisions in life. And and I was just going to say, not
4: <laughs> just in I the think movies, so. yes. Business, personal. Yeah, yeah. I, maybe she it, means well. She
2: means. I've seen John Mayer; he's not a good-looking guy.
1: And I don't mean this in a creepy way, but don't you think Jennifer Aniston needs a handler? Maybe she needs. I mean, and maybe she's got. Oh, you want to touch your butt? <laughs> Maybe she, Steve Solomon, be, be handled. <laughs> but I mean, the, the, maybe she's already got somebody who's the sort of gatekeeper on all the decisions that she makes. But maybe she needs to replace no, whoever it is that's did, doing that. No, she did. She would have stopped
2: whining to the tablets. She would have stopped whining like three years ago.
1: Or they just wouldn't let her whine to the tablets. Yeah. I mean, in other words, she ha- I think she needs some firewall. She
2: needs to be muzzled.
1: You know what? You know what it is. She uh, she needs one of those things that pops up on the screen and says, "Do you really want to print this document? Yes, no." You know what I mean? There's like one of those where Windows makes you ask three different times to do something. I think that Jennifer Aniston needs to have one of those, or she needs to have one of those, like, drunk dialing applications that they have on the iPhones for, like, they make you wait, like, 90 minutes before you actually follow through on whatever decision is is you're going to... Do you really want to date John Mayer? Yes. No. Really? Ask in an hour. Do you really want to make this awful film with Steve Zahn? Yes. No. Really? Check back tomorrow. All right. Uh, coming up later on this hour, Scene a radio correspondent, Jim Roop, Lost in 408, and more with Tim Riley straight ahead. It is The Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101, KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Good morning. It is Thursday. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up in mere moments, CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop, later on Lost in 408, our two-part loss recap today. Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week, and we will have a pair of tickets to see Cinematic Titanic, which is the uh, new live in-person project from Joel Hodgson, and the guys behind uh, Mystery Science Theater. 3,000 tickets on sale now, but we'll be giving giving some away. By the way, if you're looking for a... uh, if you're looking for an exciting new chapter in your life, Tim. Apparently, uh, Clear Channel's having a job fair of some kind. That's going to be coming up. Uh, that's going to be coming up in the near future, according to this email that I received. They probably need to have one every week. <laughs> okay. It does say that. Uh, it does say that job number one at Clear Channel is to quote, "Have fun." Mm-hmm. Immediately behind that, maintain goodwill, Tim. So just, uh, we don't... are always kept at the very bottom. <laughs> Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. Hello. CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop. Hello, sir. How are you today? Hi, howdy, howdy, howdy. Uh, how's life? How are things? Things are great right now. All right, you busy having fun and? Uh, are you having fun and maintaining goodwill?
6: <laughs> that's, that's my mission in
1: life. So, man. Here, here at Clear Channel, we all follow. That's not here. Here, I'm just reading from their website. Here at Clear Channel, we all follow a few simple rules. Our signals for success help make it a great place to work. In no particular order, the rules for success there are, one, have fun, two, respect others, play fair, act responsibly, obey the law, be flexible, and then, of course, maintain goodwill because, and I'm not making this up, people are our most important asset. There you go. (laughs) uh, File that away for future reference. Did it say
6: most expendable asset?
1: What uh, did that say? You said that. I didn't say that. Uh, I'm not here to sow uh, division, Jim Rope. I understand. Uh, all right. Hey, let me ask you about uh, about Miley Cyrus. Have you ever been? Uh, I was going to ask you if you've been in the same room with her, but that sounds like I'm interrogating you, in you know, in like the basement of Andy Sipowicz's station house. Um, but I mean, have you ever interviewed her or sort of been in proximity to her? Because she seems like a thoroughly, a thoroughly unlikable girl.
6: Uh, she no, really. And, uh, yeah, I've I've had the opportunity to uh, to. I mean, very quickly, just a question or two as she's passing a red carpet issue situation or something like that and, uh, seems
1: she seems nice uh, really is that true so maybe i mean I, it, 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 I like her dad a lot i mean as
6: as, as many hits as uh yeah, as criticism as Billy Ray Cyrus has gotten over the years ever since Achy Breaky heart he's a real nice guy
1: well i have always heard that he is a good guy and that he's always been very uh, you know cordial to the press into the you know into radio especially i mean even you know even um, it, when he was sort of the apex of his of his career, when he would have been easy for him to be kind of a jerk, and maybe it's wrong for us to be judging uh, the Miley Cybert at sixteen or whatever, but the, every time I hear an interview with him, first of all, it always sounds like she's just been chain smoking Winston's all yeah, morning. She does have that voice, does she? It? Does you know she she? It's like she's turning into Jack Klugman or something, like like right before our ears, you know. Oh, so man. Miley, tell us about your new film. Well, I, I, I play a CGI dog or whatever. It's, it's all it's very strange, but. So there's this whole weird thing happening where, I guess... She, Miley Cyrus, got photographed, or she took pictures of herself, and I forget if they were online or if they were like oh, somebody... somebody posted them. Yeah, yeah, uh, and she was just doing this kind of off-putting, sort of uh, caricatured.
6: Um, yeah, her and her, her, and her buddies of... were mugging for the camera, and at at one point they did the slanty eyes thing. Yeah, their fingers, you know, uh, and uh, one woman uh, decided she was going to sue.
1: And so you got to figure that in America, I mean, it just sort of seems like. It, living in America is kind of like wandering around a giant casino in some ways, and you are constantly passing slot machines that you decide, uh, you know, whether you're going to play them, whether you're going to not. And so, uh, and you know, so it's spill coffee on yourself, slot machine. Slip on some guy, you know, the patch of ice in front of some guy's house, slot machine. Yeah. Get irritated by something you see on Miley Cyrus's MySpace page, slot machine. And then you just sort of take your shot and you try to see if it's, you know, if uh, if the quarter mania Progressive is going to pay off for you.
6: Yeah, that's pretty much it. I think this woman has pulled the handle, and hoping that this is going to pay off. Uh, I, I don't know, man. This, you know, I, I, this just—even her lawyer admits that if it wasn't a celebrity who did this, no one would care. Right. You know, and it wouldn't be an issue at all. Um, but I, I guess the the problem with this is, according to the, the plaintiff's side, um, Miley Cyrus influences kids and uh this is a stereotype of a um of an Asian person that is uh offensive to many and um Miley Cyrus's apology saying, "Oh, so we're just goofing around making goofy faces you know that kind of made it worse uh in the eyes of the lawyer saying, "Look, I have slanted eyes, I don't think I have a goofy face so well, we'll have to see how this goes. I mean, June fourth, the, the judge is going to decide if this should move forward or not. But she's asking for four grand per uh, claimant. So if if this is a class action suit, if the judge says you can move forward as a class action suit, and you got a thousand people at four grand apiece, that's four million dollars she's going to have to cough up.
1: Hey, I got a question. You got you have kids, so is it? it I mean, can you tell when your kids are about to become obsessed with something that is being kind of shoved on them by, you know, like whether it's the Disney Channel or whether it's, uh, you know, you know whether, whether it's like Dora the Explorer or the Jonas Brothers or whatever? I mean, can you, as a parent, do, does that just you wake up one day and your kid is just a fanatic over something? Or are there sort of like warning signs that you're that there is something that is being actively marketed uh, to your children and you just brace yourselves because you know that you're, you're just going to be up to your eyeballs in it?
6: Um... I don't brace myself for
1: anything. <laughs> you just relax and let Jack Daniels take your cares away. Well,
6: you know, my kids, you know, they have a brain. Um, maybe I'm lucky, but I, I, they, they're they not influenced by too much. I mean, a lot of times they just kind of chuckle and go, geez, you know, and uh, I like their attitude on things, and, and they, they're they pretty level-headed.
1: Your kids have learned a, a rather...
6: Uh, uh, they've, they've been drinking since the age of 10. <laughs> they've learned a great lesson by the, by the old man.
1: <laughs> Whatever I was going to say is not as funny as that. So we'll use that as our point of exit today, Jim Rupp. Uh, are you on the clock tomorrow, sir? I am. All right. Fantastic. All right. We will talk to you very soon. Alrighty. Thank you, my friend. There you go. That's Jim Roop. That's way funnier than what I was going to say. All right. It is uh, 503-228-4101. Coming up here in short order, we have uh, more news with your personal savior, Tim Riley, as well as Lost in 408 and Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Here's Mike Ness and the rest of Social Distortion. It's KUFO. Stay there. It is the Rick Emerson show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. If we have to be uh we have to be referred to as a zoo, I want to be the butterfly enclosure.
2: I want to be a zebra.
1: The reptile. I want to house. be rose too. <laughs> Indeed. It is the Rick Emerson show. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up inside this hour, ladies and germs, we have Lost in 408, part one of a two-part loss recap for last night's two-hour season finale. Uh, Later on, we have uh, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week who will be here, and we will be giving away a pair of passes for you to see Cinematic Titanic, which is coming to town. It's going to be live on May 29th and 30th, starring Joel Hodgson and the rest of the cast from the original Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, Tickets on sale now. We'll be giving away a a pair of tickets here just a skosh, as our Asian friends say. Uh, At this moment, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to give away a copy of the Dana Carvey Show on DVD to call number 10 at 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Saturday Night Live veteran Dana Carvey takes a decidedly hilarious spin on po- politics and pop culture in this amazing sketch comedy series featuring Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert early on in their careers. The DVD available on Amazon and brought to you by your friends at Shout Factory. We're right, giving away a copy of The Dana Carvey Show on DVD right now at 503-228-4101.
4: Tim Riley is tracking the following stories on this Thursday morning. A man gets hit by a car traffic... Tired across the McLaughlin Boulevard in the middle of the night and not on the crosswalk. A quadriplegic has his $360 parking ticket drop, and somebody tried to masquerade as a priest, thinking they're going to have his way with Jay Leno when he was in his hospital bed. Do we know that that's
1: actually, that, that was actually the ultimate plan, was to sort of, quote, have their way with him in some sort of awful biblical sense? I'm sorry, that's an unfortunate pump, but you know what I mean? I mean, do they, know, they say
4: that at some point? It's been speculated, but they don't know for sure.
1: So this is, uh, I, all right, this is Jay Leno saying this, or is this uh, like his, his publicist or his PR people? Uh, let's see. I... It seems unlikely that someone would, would have molested Jay Leno. Let me just, I'm I'm He's trying to sort of... He's handsome. Be, uh, but see, really? I mean, I'm not just going for the chin. He just seems... Like, here's the thing. If people focus on Jay Leno's chin and the fact that it seems so disproportionate, mm-hmm. but it is, in fact, th- his entire head just sort of seems to be... It seems to be uh, a many, many, many sizes too large for well, the rest does of his look body. kind of
2: like a, a walking caricature of himself. But
1: he's got that thing where he sort of looks like the um, not a, like the Sham Wow guy in his own way. He, his his head kind of has that um, the crescent moon shape to it, like he's that Mac Tonight guy uh, that McDonald's oh, yeah. used to use to pitch there to pitch their sandwiches uh,
4: some years ago. Well, he uh-huh. made this little comment. I mean, take me. The, so we go to the hospital right over here. The same yes. shows. I'm in the hospital, so I'm lying in the bed, and not an hour later. I hear, yes, I'm Mr. Leno's priest. I'm here to see him. <laughs> well, I'm not even Catholic. <laughs> okay, so, and, and the nurse, it's a Catholic hospital. nurse goes, where are you? Uh, we're the Jesuits. I'm a Jesuit priest so-and-so. And this, the nurse goes, well, you know, most Jesuits call themselves father. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. Takes off. Uh-huh. Takes off. So NBC says, well, let's send some guards down. I don't want now. They're now. It's like the Godfather. I'm in the room Uh. at the end of the hall with
1: armed guards. So it was
4: ridiculous.
1: Where is he? Is that on the Ellen Show?
4: I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that
1: sounded like her. All right. Yeah, I can't. You know, it must be. It's got to be weird though to be a guy like that where you're in the hospital and you realize that because when you reach a certain level of of fame, no matter who you are or how, I am, mean, like I don't, it's been for me many many years since Jaylen has been funny in any way at all. But it's got to be weird to be in the hospital and realize that you are at some level of fame where just the pool of people who are aware of your existence as a celebrity is large enough that just the law of averages says that there's like I don't know maybe one and a half percent of that group of people that are just flat out nuts, yes, and they decide that Jesus has told them that they've got to come and they've got to cut out your bone marrow with a hacksaw and, you know, just by any means necessary. I mean, I'd object to that. Distinctly unnerving. Here's Tim Riley.
4: White House spokesman Robert Gibbs had a little fun with the reporters and their ringing cell phones. When one phone ran off uh, during the daily briefing, he put his hand up like a stern school teacher and did something about it. Law enforcement. Give me the phone. All right? This
3: is come on, Let me see this one.
4: Yes, he gently gave them a talking to. I made
3: the determination that the illumination of the sound was distracting to the briefing uh, as the press secretary to the president of the United States.
1: Hey, coming up later on, Mitzi Shore will have some new up-and-comers for you, ladies and gentlemen, here here on the Sunset Strip.
4: And wouldn't you know it, a second phone rang. What, what is
3: <laughs> You too? Do you want to do this too? Here, come on.
4: All right. Well, there you go.
1: That's the only thing that guy has done so far in his tenure that has been interesting at all. It's strange how, however, um,. Stressful it may have been living under uh, George W. Bush's presidency. The thing about his press secretaries were they were always entertaining in their own uh, sort of awful way. Not unlike under Clinton, where you had uh, like hot Dee Dee Myers who was always uh, oh, yeah. out there for a while, like saying insane things when she wasn't being arrested for drunk driving, um, out there saying the weird things to the press. Whereas under Obama, like I, the guy's name is Robert Gibbs, I guess, but I I have to be reminded of that Robert every time Gibbs. we have the story because he just seems so utterly uh, bland like I, mean, I thought Ari Fleischer was uninteresting but this guy doesn't even appear to exist he is a he is in fact some sort of a PR cipher
4: All right here's uh, Tim Riley Maxa magazine has unleashed its pick of women for 2009 the top 100 in first place is Olivia Wilde. apparently she's some sort of actress is this I, I wonder if this is What's a, her name? an indication Olivia that
1: I'm wild getting old because I no longer recognize is like a Maxim. Any magazine that kind of focuses on the guy demographic, uh, like Maxim does, and Playboy does the same thing. They'll do that thing at the end of the year, the beginning of the year. They do the ten hottest women of, of you know two thousand eight, or the ten women with like the, the, you, know, with the, the word, you know the most excited about in two thousand nine. And I realized that about four years ago, I stopped recognizing about half the women who were in the top ten. She's,
2: she's pretty. shook. looks like a cat.
1: I don't, hold she on. Just, would I
2: recognize her? Where would I know her I don't from? I don't exactly recognize her from where, it but I It looks like a, a
4: sharp breeze is blowing her blouse. It's, see, and it looks...
2: It was probably between
3: pictures.
1: And so. it looks like somebody blew her into a bunch of liposuction machines that just ex- that removed everything
4: from her body but the bones. Well, once you walk through certain sections of L.A., it, it's kind of like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> is that where somebody stops you? In the, I'm sorry, you're too fat to be on this tree. You're going to have to... You either have to leave, or we have to remove most of your insides. Uh, it's it's your choice. I, look, I don't create the law; I just enforce it. Right, liposuction, great. That's uh, hold on. Bite down on this rag,
4: please. You know any of these others? Uh, Megan J. Fox, or okay, Megan.
1: Fox? Well, let's just uh, briefly. Let's use this. Just to hit. Let's just go through the,
4: the the ten. What is this? The Maxim's ten hottest women. I can give you the the, the one who came in last place, who needs to try harder, Dina Russo. See, I don't think I know who that is either. That's why she's last. Is this
1: because, I hate to be blaming everything on technology and uh, so forth, but is this because of the internet that, I mean, they're now... These
2: girls are what? Well, that, uh, is hot?
1: well, in other words, that a lot of, like, you get, like, the top, like, the 10 hottest women or the 100 hottest women, but the, it used to be that you would have to be a movie star or a TV star to be on this list. No. But now, can be in you a can, reality show. No, but, but see, Megan, that's the
2: thing. Now you can be like Tina Tequila
1: true. or somebody. like but Megan I know, Fox
2: is on movies, and this girl was on a lot of TV shows.
1: See, I know who Megan Fox is because she was in Transformers.
2: And she dated Brian Austin Green. They were in Tequila? Oh, I thought you were talking about Megan Fox. Okay.
1: Wait a minute. Who dated Brian Austin Green?
2: Megan Fox. They were they were engaged as, up until a couple months ago. As though
1: I'm interested in that Green guy. Brian Austin Green was
2: David Silver on 90210. Yeah,
1: I know who he was. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, so Megan Fox dated that guy, Tila Tequila.
2: Was dating Scott Wyland.
1: Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. oh. oh I wish I'd known that. I would have asked him about that during the uh, during the interview we did with him. You totally oh. I should have. Nah, I feel like I failed.
2: Yeah, I saw a picture of them all snugly together.
1: Is she one of those... Do, is she a... Uh, is she like a Winona Ryder? writer? Is she a serial rock star dater?
2: I don't know. I know that she she has that Tila tequila like love show thing where she's bisexual and trying to find the love of her life. Yeah, she but she's but women. she's
1: like a fake bisexual. She's, totally she's fake. like a she's she's a faux mosexual mm-hmm. uh, in that she's in a that dime room. store bisexual. That's <laughs> exactly right, Tim. Um didn't you tell me was she no 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 she's dating Billy Corgan, though. I think you were the one that told me that. Mm. That Tila the tequila. You which know what?
2: Is, I just totally got them confused. It was Billy Corgan.
1: Not Scott Weiland. Not Scott Weiland. Because the thing is, because we had, I think we had this discussion. It's not like Billy Corgan's the the, the great looker. I mean, he has the kind of the the weird puffy Uncle Fester thing going on. But on the other hand, I mean, it's just the the fact that the the rules are kind of different for male uh, rock stars. I think you can sort of, I mean, you can look like a lab experiment and chicks will still find you hot. She, on the other hand, is famous only because...
2: Because she, of the internets. Like, she was one of the first MySpace people.
1: And because Yeah, because she had, like... A, she
2: Jeffree Star guy.
1: I think she was the first person to have a million friends. I think that's mm-hmm. the deal with her. Uh, it was, like, her and that Jeffree Star and Dane Cook were all in that weird trifecta of famous because they had, like, a billion people who were signed up with their MySpace thing. Because the thing about Tila te- tequila, tequila is... It, she looks like a gremlin. You know what I mean? Like in the, She is a little strange. Her, like she looks
2: like she should be pretty, but she's not really.
1: It, you know, it, but Here's why. I figured out why tila Tequila is not attractive. Well, they
4: fixed her up as, as well as they could.
1: I can... <laughs> The, the have you ever seen uh, the? I, can, I swear to God, I can tie these two things together. Have you ever seen the director's cut of uh, I think it's Return of the King, which is the four and a half hour version of the third part of the Lord of the, the Rings. Never mind. No. Anyway, the point is, there's this moment where uh, Strider is outside the gates of Sauron, uh, uh, you know, and whatever. And anyway, blah 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 blah. The mouth of Sauron comes out, and he's riding on a horse, and he's this guy with. His, the point is the. It's a character who looks really off-putting, and you can't quite put your finger on why the character looks so scary. So they're outside the Black Gate of Mordor, and the mouth of Sauron comes out, and the mouth of Sauron is like he's the spokesperson for Sauron. Mm -hmm. And watching the movie, you go, God, this guy looks creepy. Why does he look so creepy? And Peter Jackson reveals on the commentary that with CGI, they took like a normal guy with just some makeup on, and they took his mouth, and they made his mouth 20% bigger. And you can't really tell. Like, it's not comically large, but it's just large enough that your brain is going, there's something not right with that guy's face. Here's the deal with Teal Tequila. They've taken her whole face and they've reduced it by 20% in Photoshop and then put it back on her head.
2: Kind of like Rumor Willis's face.
1: Totally. Yeah, Bruce Willis's, Willis's daughter. Feature,
2: yeah, they're too small for her head. It's like,
1: it's like, like just that part of her face got hit with some shrinking ray and the rest of her head stayed the same size.
4: Well, it's like they had some extra heads around and they just happened to have a body and they
1: stuck it on top. Totally. Or like you're like you're creating some sort of a Wii avatar but you inadvertently uh, reduced part of it and you couldn't figure out what the back button was to undo the change and like, "F it, I'll just keep this." And so she's got all of this weird unused face skin like around her actual features. It's like get used to it. Indeed. It is the Rick Emerson Show. Straight ahead, Lost in 408, Part 1 of 2 for last night's uh, two-hour season finale. Later on, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week and your chance to win tickets to see Cinematic Titanic. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland. It is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It's Thursday morning. Okay, so we were just talking about uh, Rumor Willis, Antila Tequila, and Olivia Wilde. And this Maxim list of the 100, the hottest women, or 100 uh, women that we'd like to, I don't know, hump, whatever it is. Ooh, you uh, want
2: to hump tequila tequila?
1: I didn't say that. Okay. I'm just, that is, that is sort of my artist rendering of the way that Maxim sort of presents these articles typically. Well, I guess no. it's probably how they judge who's hot. No, I find her totally unappealing. And you know who I also don't really find attractive is that Olivia Wilde woman who I guess was number, was she number one, Tim? One. She was number one. So, I, she's one of those women that I can, that she is pretty in a certain way, but she's just uh, so unbelievably pokey and sharp-pointed at all uh, points in her body that I just, I can't really find her sexy. I
2: remember she was Seth Cohen's uh, girlfriend on, on the OC.
1: And then this the email is all caps, OMG, Olivia Wilde is my sun and my moon. Which is a little unnerving. She's apparently on House, by the way, uh, which is the uh, the Hugh Laurie show that I always keep like mean to watch, and then I don't.
2: Uh, sometimes I like it. Sometimes it's just a little too much to handle.
1: I have difficulty. I've seen a little bit of it, but I have, I have trouble getting past the fact that he was uh, that he was what's his name? He was uh, George on Blackadder, and so I keep picturing him like in a, in a buffon wig, like parading around in pantaloons. We are moments away from Lost in 408 with Sarah Dillon and Chris Paddock. Tim Riley is tracking the following stories on your Thursday.
4: Well, speaking of house, Kelly Clarkson is fat and fabulous, according to stories coming out of Hollywood today.
1: Is this speaking of house because she's as
4: large as a standard family dwelling? That's your rendition of the story. Okay. Tom Hanks' sex scenes have been cut from angels and demons (laughs) because nobody wants to see Tom Hanks naked. No, never, ever. Anyone. Ever.
2: At least it doesn't have the weird hair. Down there were one. several
1: scenes scripted. Was there a focus group that filled that out on the cards? What didn't you like? Tom Hanks' buttocks. How schwon. awful
2: would that be if you were focused, if you are an actor in your focus group and I was like, absolutely not. Don't <laughs> want to see that.
1: <laughs> I'd like to see the jiggling ass flab of Tom Hanks, please. Could I have a movie that's nothing but that great? You
4: know he's jiggly. Did Victoria Principal pull a gun on her maid? And if so, did she deserve it? Unwed mothers, now more than ever, women having babies out of wedlock. Well, good for them. And cuties are being recalled. It is
1: uh, 503-228-4101. Sometime for the top of the hour, we will give away a pair of passes to Cinematic Titanic. Ladies and gentlemen, so be listening for that. Tickets on sale now, but we'll give those away inside this hour. It is now time for part one of our two-part Lost recap. Last night's two-hour season finale. Let us now begin Lost in 408 with Sarah X. Dillon and Christopher J. Paddock. Are we ready? Yes, sir. Yes, right. yes, yes. And... Yeah, there we go. I love this music. Okay,
0: season finale of season five opens amazingly with a man weaving at a loom. You know excitement is ahead when you see some weaving happening on primetime television. Now,
2: did you know that that was Jacob?
0: I had a feeling. I see. I didn't. Yeah, My friend I knew feeling. that it was, but I did not know. Well, then, then they move on to the beach where a sailboat is out in the distance into the ocean, and uh, you can see a man from the 1950s on water skis in a leather jacket, and he's about to jump over a bunch of sharks. That is exactly <laughs> how I felt with Lost really? was that last the, night.
2: Was that the Black Rock?
0: I believe it was the okay. Black Rock. But getting on to some facts here. We we have uh, obviously got to the point where the incident is about to happen mm-hmm. in its countdown. They are trying to arm this nuke, or H-bomb, rather, to uh, go into the swan and blow the thing up and hopefully hit the reset button, and Jack is like a, like a, he's
2: crazy. He's a crazy person. There's too much, there's so much, like, beating up and violence in these past couple of episodes. You felt that? It's, it's,
0: it's gotten got kind of dark, and, hey. you know, we're leading up to the final season here, so now it's like, okay, all, all the gloves are off, and yeah, everyone's going to get the crap loose. meat out of them. I know,
2: everyone's, like, bleeding, you know, like, profusely from the head and stuff. I'm like, okay, when did this become, like, everyone beating themselves, it's each other up with gunfights and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, what did you... Okay, so it
0: moving along here. So you have this very odd uh, relationship with this man and uh, Jacob, were, were, we find out mm-hmm. later, and this other guy on the beach saying, I'm going to find a loophole, and one day, I'm going to kill, kill you. Yeah.
2: And did you notice how the guy who was telling Jacob was uh, that he was going to kill him was wearing black and Jacob was wearing white? So once yes. again, it was that black and white contrast. Which we have
0: to go back to, of course, the very first season where uh, Locke was playing blackgammon. Or blackgammon. What am I saying? Backgammon with, <laughs> with Walt.
2: Walt, yes. Yes, and
0: he was talking about black and white and, and, good size. and evil, yeah. Exactly. So uh, through the years, we see um, young Kate. We see young Sawyer. We see um, we Jack see- when he's making his first big uh, spinal surgery with his dad.
2: We see Hurley right before he gets back on the plane when um, he gets into the cab and, and it, Jacob gives him Charlie's guitar. We
0: see how Saeed's wife dies.
2: Yes, Nadia, how she was killed by that car. All...
0: Of these incidents included a man, and that man is Jacob.
2: And did you see how Jacob would physically touch each one of them? He wouldn't just talk to them. Like, even when he was passing Jack the candy bar, he made sure to touch his hand. Or when he was talking to Hurley, he made sure to uh, touch his shoulder. Do you feel that maybe is Jacob an embodiment of evil or good? I don't know. I mean, maybe he could be both. I mean, I'm starting to think that maybe, A, Ben isn't bad, and B, Jacob might not be bad. I think Ben just was so... Oh, we're not talking about the second half last night. But anyway, yeah, more on Ben later. But, um, I don't know, Jacob just seemed kind of evil, but, like, in a, in a kind way, the way that he was talking to them. And it looked like he saved Locke's life, too, didn't it, when he fell well, out he, the window?
0: Yes, he, he, well, oh yeah, he was right there when Locke falls out, and he touches him and says, everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. Which, you know... Why didn't he remember that a few seasons back? Was that just some sort of writer's machination of some kind to go, Oh well, uh, we need to figure out a loophole here.
2: So did you remember, because that guy looks familiar, do you think that he's been in past episodes? Because I think he's been like an extra or something in past episodes. He's kind of been woven in and out of the the thread that is Well,
0: look, they can do, you can do anything with CGI nowadays. And I guess the guys that lost at one point will go uh, George Lucas on us and then they'll put some CGI and they'll somehow digitally impose this guy. And oh, yeah, he was in there in uh, episode
4: four.
2: See, and this is when I'm going to become obsessive because I have seasons one and two on DVD. So I'm going to go through them and just like, you know, with a fine tooth comb. Like a computer film. Exactly. That's dangerous. Okay. So, uh,
0: all right. So we finally are at a point now where uh, Juliet, Kate, this love triangle, they're on a submarine and they're able to get uh, hijack the submarine and get back to the island mm. to stop
2: Jack from detonating that bomb. But then all of a sudden, Juliet's like, oh, wait, he's right. We should detonate the bomb and try and all go back, which means that she'll be on the island. It means that she might die.
0: So... Guess what happens at the end? They get stopped by the Team Love Triangle before they can set off that H-bomb, and there's more to come later.
2: Did you catch yourself also thinking, like, wow, all of them have slept together?
0: Yeah, well, that's, you know... Wait, are we still talking about Lost?
2: <laughs> yeah. No, one that love square between... Well, you know,
0: when you sleep with one person, you've slept with everyone they've slept with.
1: Hey!
2: That's one to grow
1: on. 90s for the win. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All right, so it's part two of Lost in 408 will uh, be coming up at uh, the same time in next hour as we recap last night's two-hour season finale, uh, season five. All right, straight ahead we have uh, news with Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, plus your chance to win tickets to Cinematic Titanic. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101, K-U-F-O. Stay right there. I be heard over this music i can't tell yeah, I the, hold them. on one of my headphones <laughs> one of my earpieces is. i think it's oh my plug isn't in it all the way i thought i was going deaf in my right ear for a second and then i thought it was my headphones and then it was back to me being deaf now it's my plug uh, wasn't shoved in enough oh there we go there we Make go sure your plug's
2: enough. Always shoved
1: in enough. i always do sarah i don't know what we're talking about right now it's 503-228-4101 uh, ladies and gentlemen, coming up here in just a few minutes, we'll talk to Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week. Also, part two of our Lost in 408 two-part recap, which is coming up uh, next hour. And your uh, chance to win tickets to see Cinematic Titanic. Why, hey, why don't we do that right now, huh? If you can be caller 10 at 503 and correctly uh, answer this question... You, ladies and gentlemen, uh, will be going to see Cinematic Titanic, which is a uh, live production starring the original creator and cast of Mystery Science Theater 3000, continuing the MST3K tradition of riffing on unbelievably bad films. It's May 29th and 30th at the Newmark Theater, a different movie each night. Tickets on sale now. If you can be caller 10 and answer this question. What irredeemably awful film from 1975 stars in supporting roles... Linda Evans as a prostitute and Merlin Olson as a burly henchman. What irredeemably bad film from 1975 stars in supporting roles Linda Evans as a prostitute and Merlin Olson as a burly henchman? Ladies and gentlemen, 503 228 4101. At the news desk, your
4: personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. So just to warn you in advance, we have two 80-degree days coming, and they're going to be this Saturday and Sunday. So be prepared. So they were claiming that all day
1: yesterday and the day before, and I didn't necessarily believe them. But now that you said it, Tim, I trust that that is in it, fact the I it must. believe Tim it must
4: happen that way. All right. That and until so then, awesome. we're going to have scattered showers. Oh. Right.
1: When is, when,
4: that's going to be this Saturday and Sunday? This Saturday and Sunday only. In what city is that happening? Portland, Oregon. By God, that's wonderful. All right. And tomorrow is uh, National Bike to Work Day. Now I thought I thought it was like it was it was all, all week, week or month. It, no, well, it's Bike Week, but it's not Bike to Work Day. So tomorrow's Bike well, to Work. Doesn't
1: okay? Let me just—I hate the the, be the word police here—but doesn't having it be Bike to Work Week make every, make Friday like National Bike to Work Day already?
4: I suppose doesn't one could, sort yes. of
1: take care of the other? But we're being more specific. All right. Well,
4: there. you it's go. It's not my idea.
2: You know what? Tim doesn't make the rules, Rick. He just repeats them.
1: And you know what? My ass is going to be driving anyway, so it doesn't really matter to me.
2: Oh, not. I'm gonna be. No, I'm gonna ride my bike
1: tomorrow. Afternoon. I'm not. That's, that's not gonna happen.
4: So the question is: Did Victoria Principal pull a gun on her maid? Now they hadn't been getting getting along. Apparently there was uh, a shouting match uh, after uh, a bad dog walk, and then, uh, well, apparently she chased this woman, or this woman ran into a guest house, locked the door, and Victoria Principal allegedly got a gun. And call 911 because she wanted the maid out.
5: 911,
6: what is your emergency? Yes, this is Victoria Principal at 23926. I have a housekeeper that I don't really know who's on the premises. She's locked herself in my guest house and she's robbing me. She's robbing you? Yes, and I told her I'm calling the police and I need you here now. Is she taking property? You know something? I think if they would get the police here, yeah, because really? she is threatening oh. and she
4: has locked herself in a What's guest
6: there, Cross Street to this address? Webway. Webway? Okay,
4: we'll have someone out there. Thank you. So then at the same time, the maid calls 911 to report Victoria Principal chasing her around with a gun. That is I fantastic.
6: I one want to immerse,
4: immerse I mean,
6: wanna kill me? <laughs> hello? Wow. Or, hello? What's going on? I need help. What's hey. happening? Even she's pointing to the gun. Who is?
5: It's Victoria Principal.
6: She has a gun in her hand?
5: Come on, kill me. Come you me. you're oh. locked inside? Yeah, when you tell and I locked her because she found me with the gun. Okay, I'm, uh, we're sending <laughs>
6: deputies there now. Jesus. What's your name? The housekeeper's saying the Victoria Principal has a gun.
1: That's a phrase you don't think I'm you're going right. to you right. use as much well, in
6: your please. life. Tell me, please.
1: Yeah, where the deputies are on their way.
6: Yes, uh you're inside uh where
2: are yeah, I Yeah, I was inside in the in the in the middle and I locked myself. she followed me with a
4: gun. Okay Hello? hold on, stay on the line. She's saying Victoria Principal. Hello. Yeah, yeah, we're coming, ma'am, we're coming. You better run, Victoria Principal has a gun. Seriously. Jesus. Uh so I, the, the,
1: first of all. Uh, who has even thought of Victoria Principal in like 25 years? I mean, no, I can't... No, she had to do something. What has she done since Dallas? I mean, I know she must have done something. Nothing. I mean, other than just sort of stalk around and waiting, waiting for somebody to shoot, I suppose. Did you... The best part of the story, though, and... I don't know that this has been confirmed by any outside source, but I got an email about this story earlier this morning and I hadn't heard the nine one one audio. Somebody just references some li- listeners said that they had heard it. But the best part of the story is that apparently, according to I think the police report, so there's Victoria Principal of Dallas fame, and she's not the one who shot J.R., is she? On Dallas. I don't that remember
4: be, it was so long ago. But
1: comedically speaking, wouldn't that just be that's too perfect to even hope for? Yeah. That she was I don't remember who shot J.R. I, I don't should, either. It was so long
4: ago. I should be evicted from. I know who
2: Laura her. Palmer. That's about it.
4: Wasn't it? A, it was a dwarf, wasn't it?
2: Well, I don't want to ruin it for people who
4: have. I remember seen my it. mother had one of those bumper stickers under <laughs> K car back the, then that said, "What? Who shot Jr. Really? Everyone had those bumper stickers. Boy,
2: wow. What?
1: A, what a What a weird country this is. But um, but I man, I should be evicted from this guy. I shouldn't even be allowed to live in America anymore because I don't know who shot Jr. I think it was uh, it was was it Pam Ewing? I guess so. I guess it doesn't really matter in the no. grand of course, scheme of down. things. But uh, in any event, so so there's Victoria Principal who was best known for being on on Dallas, and I suppose just in terms of pure entertainment, it's just too much to ask that she shot J.R. and then now attempted to shoot like whatever her maid's name is.
2: What would I know her from? nothing okay from 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 this story
1: 30 seconds ago probably Probably lifetime probably from lifetime no Mm -hmm. that's a you know lifetime movies are the new love boat but only for female actresses oh that is true and ted mcginley so that's that is because it used to be that if you were uh, an actor or an actress who were you know you were at a certain a certain point in the twilight of your career you would end up in one of three places murder she wrote fantasy island or love boat and those things have all gone away but now it is made for lifetime movies often written by that that jackass that did the christmas box so so there's that um th- but the best part of this victoria principal story is according to the police report while she's chasing this maid through the house with a handgun the maid goes to the guest quarters and locks locks herself inside while calling the police yes. she says, miss principal is going crazy she has a gun but meanwhile Victoria Principal tells a second maid to get out of the way so she can get a clean shot at the first maid. I guess She started screaming at a second housekeeper so she could get... Here we go. Here's the phrase. It says, uh, let's see. um, The report claims that after this woman's name is... uh, The the housekeeper's name is... uh, Her name is uh, Maribel Banagas. It says, the report claims that after Banagas, quote, dilly-dallied with Principal's dog... The actress fired her, went upstairs, returned with a firearm, and wait for it—told an onlooking maid to get back so she could have
4: a clean shot at Bannigan.
1: Whoa! Ah, <laughs> uh, it's wonderful. I'm going to choose to believe it is true until it's definitively disproven.
4: But it you know, is... after a while, the PR people say you have to go out and do something.
1: Look, uh, we need—what can
4: you do to get a little ink?
1: Straight ahead, we have more news with Tim Riley, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week. We have Lost in 408, Part 2, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, coming up at 9 o'clock, it smells like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101, KUFO.
4: Us, America's laptop battery experts. KUFO Portland. Yeah.
1: It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock One Hundred and One KUFO. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming by. Coming up later on this hour, we have Lost in Four Hundred Eight, Part Two. Our two-part recap of last night's episode, the Season Five Season Finale. Also, you—you pair-
2: you got that out. I was thinking what? you were going to stumble over it. Like season Five, Season Finale. No, no, it no, no, was no. beautiful.
1: No, I, uh, no, 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 I. Uh, there's certain words and phrases that I know I have to use several times during the day, and here's here's one at, at the very beginning of the show. This is a little here's a peek behind the radio curtain at the beginning of the show, and I've done this for God, what year is this? 2009. So I've been doing this for 15 years, more or less, where I use that uh, that phrase uh, from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of, and then I would I would just always say wherever we were, and that phrase it is the. Plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious. Now I just, I just, uh, I just mucked it up there, as Sean Connery would say. From the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of, and that is a phrase that is uniquely challenging in a linguistic sense because it's that overly ostentatious, and it's like a series of small verbal hurdles uh, that your tongue has to sort of uh, uh, leap over. And it overly can, ostentatious. especially because and it's right at the beginning of the show, so I could be this is like, it's just out of the gate. It can be a bit of a, uh, bit of a, uh, bit of an oral challenge uh, for you. What are talking about? Ah, Lost in 408 Part 2 coming up this hour at 9. It just smells like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. In one moment, we will be uh, joined by Tim Riley at the news desk, who will have thoughts, observations, and happenings for you. Also, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week will uh, grace the studios. Why, she's here now. Hello, Kelly Hello. Clark.
2: Hey, guys. How you doing?
1: I'm fantastic. I've never been better. Really?
2: She was mouthing to me, um, what'd you say, oral? What was the... Now, you she know what? She was
1: mouthing to me <laughs> oral. She was
2: mouthing to me oral. Hmm. That sounds wrong.
1: I'm I was just going to let you guys... Sh- oral challenge.
7: Oral, challenge. oral <laughs> challenge, yeah. <laughs> that just sounds a little weird. Basically, I'm- when I get in here, I, I revert back to being like a 12-year-old, and I just mouth things to Sarah the entire <laughs> time I'm here, pretty much.
1: Well, that is the way to capture the 25 to 54-year-old male demographic. Yes. Really. All right.
7: Get some webcams in here.
1: I moving, don't
4: think we want
1: that. Moving forward, <laughs> uh, the, uh, oh. <laughs> uh, what will we be uh, discussing about today's uh, uh, Willamette Week? Now, see, now I, now I don't even know what I'm doing. Now I've just completely. Now I've done. Now I've just stumbled uh, <laughs> with, with a sentence rack. that's not even challenging. <laughs> um, so we'll talk about uh, the new issue of the Willamette, which is coming out and which features the, uh, Catherine Dunn, who yes. wrote a book called Geek Love, which came out kind of like 20 years ago. Yeah. It's one
7: of my favorite books ever.
1: 24 years ago, and I did not know she was a Portland author. So there's... Not only is
7: she a Portland author, she used to be a columnist for Willamette Week. So I didn't know that either. I feel better about myself just saying that.
1: Excellent. So we'll talk uh, about what she's up to, and mm-hmm. then there's this guy. I don't want to give too much uh, away about it, but if you look <laughs> at the uh, cover of the new uh, Willamette, you're going to see an article about a guy named... Eric. Eric. And uh, who is... Eric the Enlightened. And it it really is a pretty fascinating story, so we'll talk about that here. And if you... Ooh, and I'll... This sounds disgusting, but I'll show you my touchless paper towel dispenser, Kelly. I can't wait. Tim Riley's following these stories on your Thursday
4: morning. There's a Farrah Fawcett special on the television tomorrow that probably anyone who had that poster in the 70s doesn't want to watch. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Seriously. Let's call it what it is. Oh, no. I mean, I. No, <laughs> I mean, there, there were certain images of certain decades that stay with one throughout life, and they shouldn't be messed with. I would uh, say a like television how, special that's on for one hour on one night of one's life. You know, like how it, Betty
2: Page never wanted to be photographed. When I she was going
4: to say it's just yeah, like Betty day, Page, who chose wisely
1: uh, by staying out of the spotlight once she was past a certain era. This and, is a
4: big mistake. Big yeah, mistake. It, it really is. In many and, ways.
1: Well, because the last time I saw Farrah Fawcett was at the roast for. That's
7: what I was going to say. Um, it,
1: it, it, God, who Was it a roast for? Was it was it, it, Shna- it Shatner? It might be. I remember Jeffrey Ross, uh, getting up there and talking, and he's always hilarious. Seems like a terrible person, but he's funny. And those two things often go together, but he was talking about Farrah Fawcett, who was sitting up there and just seemed leathery and drunk, and you know what she looked like? She looked like, um, she looked like some weird, like, parallel universe, or, or maybe this. She looked like maybe the hot older sister of Dr. Laura. You know what I mean? Where, th- th- because it was, Ooh. they had, they had kind of the same general features, but one was a much better looking version of the other, but then they were both left in a microwave on high uh, for about fifteen minutes too long at one point, just over baked over tanned over you know leathery, and then uh, too much plastic surgery, too much liposuction, and then the hair has remained big, and so it 's just it 's all out of proportion and weird but Jeffrey Ross had the best line about Ferfossa where he said. In a fair I remember looking at that post of you in the seventies, and then he made a reference to uh, male self pleasure. He said, And I was so afraid that I was gonna go blind. And now that I see you in person, I and then it just sort of trailed off. And it was the single best joke of the night. So anyway. So that's something that's to avoid. Enough. Put it on your
4: to don't list. There's the certain night. Americana that is not meant to be messed with. No, I'm I'm with you on that. Who else needs to get back in the spotlight? Nicole Ritchie. She says she's disgusted that schools aren't teaching kids about the planet. <laughs> in general <laughs> yes we'll have sound ok ah, that's great prostitutes be gone Craigslist promises to cleanse its website of the world's oldest profession will it work or where will they go alright
1: that's uh, 503-228-4101 that is all I had this hour plus our second half of Lost in 408 the two part Lost recap ladies and gentlemen it is the Rick Emerson Show at Rock 101 KUFO stay right there won't you please It's always good. like Tim's advice early on in the show about don't buy your airplane ticket from an airline you've never heard of. And where the pilots are paid $12.50 an hour. And where apparently they can fail the test like 100 times in a row and still be certified to fly one of their planes.
4: It's okay. You'll get better as we go along.
1: <laughs> as the guy said in the black box recording, I'm quoting now, you only have to land this thing once. Uh, so how expired is that medication that you're taking, Sarah?
2: Well, it's expired in March.
1: Oh well, that's fine.
2: Yeah, it's but not fine. Too It's only bad. a couple months.
4: I mean, you're sick and it's anyway. Zycam, cold take, remedy. take a double dose then. Yeah, yeah
2: just, yeah, just yeah. Take, yeah. take three. Take four. a
1: fistful of it. Maybe you know I'll what I mean? Take
2: another one right now.
1: Excellent. Do it. Uh, it is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Still to come this hour, the second part of our Lost recap, Lost in 408 Part Two, coming up uh, about the 15 minutes from now. Uh, coming up at nine, it smells like the nineties with our good friend Buzz. We are here with Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week. Hello Why, again? Howdy and hello. Hello, Willamette so, Week, Rick. I'm sorry. I just it's it's a thing I just fall into. He yeah. Yeah. So you, but
7: you need some sort of, you know, prize when
1: he says
2: it
7: right.
1: I just, well, you know, I'm just so... Maybe dis- a Zycam. Look, I just, I'm so distracted <laughs> by the fact, before we talk about what's in the new issue, I'm so distracted by uh, the fact that I wanted to show you... What? Don't
7: get that near that me. That is my, so phallic looking. It's that my, is
1: disturbing. It's my touchless paper towel dispenser, which sure I now realize looks like a large marital aid. It's <laughs> it doesn't like,
2: it around, around the pole. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, Well, I guess without the I guess without the paper towels on it, it just is a huge black cylindrical object that looks as though it's about to rotate. So, you know,
2: Jennifer Connolly. there's yes, there's
1: (laughs) (laughs) hello, Maid Marian. Look at my touchless paper towel dispenser. So uh, this is a thing that we had that I purchased from the SkyMall catalog, and it is actually Uh the only thing I've ever purchased from the SkyMall catalog. And I love it. So but it just doesn't it doesn't my my wife's going to do this thing of revamping the kitchen. And I have to be honest when I say it just doesn't really work anymore. It doesn't because it, it, we've got a brand new paper towel dispenser. This doesn't it doesn't fit. And it kind of sticks out, and it, 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 you, know, you can't have two paper towel dispensers. The giant sex toy
7: does not look good with the rest. What with the toaster?
1: <laughs> no. No, it doesn't. Uh, so we're keeping the, the motion activated garbage, uh, can that we've got in the kitchen because that's, oh, I just okay. drew the line there. I'm like, we can't get rid of that, baby. I can't be, like, lifting up the Did lid of the garbage the can. Did you get that
2: Air too? Or Sky Mall?
1: No, I got that at Fry's Electronics. Uh, but so this, but the thing is, this still works perfectly and it seems wrong to give it to Goodwill. Well, I mean, you know what I mean? It it's a, Maybe uh, we
2: can use it for something else
7: besides let's paper see. towels.
1: Hold on here. Let's see if I, so, if this is the sound, uh, that it, uh, that it makes. Let's see if I don't get it to. Hold on. See if I can get it to, it's gotta have light in the, uh, it's like magic. Wait.
2: Okay, that looks even more (laughs) pornographic now that it's moving.
1: You wave your hand at it,
2: and
7: and then
1: it spits out a paper towel. So... I gotta figure out if it's something like you got to be giving this away like this this is not one of those things that I can get rid of southeast portland style where I put it on the porch in front of my house and just you take if want you Rick, know, and you then, really
2: have to take a picture of that sands paper towel. Yeah, you really do. All right. And give it a description about how it vibrates and spins.
1: Does it look like it a, looks like, like
2: the movie 7 a little bit.
1: Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. That went in a suddenly dark direction. Um, it does look like it ought to be sort of in the Spartacus catalog, right between like the, the <laughs> yes. between the, the nipple clamps and like the the blow gel or whatever you know. <laughs> anyway, so you know the. You know what? that is hot.
2: prime
7: like white elephant gift territory. That's yes. what it is.
2: Maybe I need to save that for Christmas.
7: Yes. Ah. Or. You know, you could make, I don't know, it needs to
1: be made into some sort of robot. Well, here's the, here's the idea <gasps> I have. I mean, had, it's though. already
2: got a rotating thingy. I'm sure
7: you can dress it up in something.
1: Here's the, here's the idea <laughs> that I had. Uh, because I forget how much I even paid for it. I mean, it wasn't like $5, but it wasn't like $100. It was maybe the 35 bucks, something like that. Okay. It was really just that I'd never ordered anything out of the SkyMall catalog. And I think I was sitting on the tarmac or whatever, and the plane was late taking off or landing or whatever. And so I'm looking through SkyMall, and I'm like, F it, I'm going to buy something. And for the first and only time, I dialed the number. I'm like, hello. I would like to purchase this item from your fine catalog on page 35 right now. And it's just, again, it works, but it's outlived its usefulness uh, in our home. So what I'm thinking is see, because we can't, has anybody else ordered anything from the SkyMall catalog? Anyone? Have not.
2: No. Seamus got me a hot diggity dogger from the SkyMall.
1: Okay, but you but you use that. And... I use it a lot. What
2: pretzel right. is a hot. Oh my god, dogger. it's the most
4: What do you mean? What is thing? the hot diggity? It's a, kind a toaster of a, for hot dogs. Kind of American, But it has are like you? two
2: um little oh, that, that, that You put the hot dogs in and then it has like two um like half circles on either side so you can toast the buns at the same I time. I apologize for not it's being like up those, on my hot diggity dogger. It is magic.
1: It's like one of those toasters. It's made for bagels, but it is hot dog shaped and it's uh, it's awesome. And so but <laughs> here's my thing is that there probably is a little a short half-life with your infatuation for any kind of technological geegah mm. that you buy out of a of a catalog or a magazine or something. So, I'm thinking that somewhere out there there was the guy that has bought the heated uh, like bath mat or something, you know, that, that goes in your bathroom or the guy who's purchased like the what was the thing you were mentioning, Tim? There was some Skymall product that you were talking about the other day that seemed it was sort of a definitively the Ye- towel warmer? Well, there's the towel warmer. There's that oh, as well. Oh, that's well. cool. Um, so I'm thinking that what we ought to do is I, I'm thinking of some sort of geek gadget gift exchange kind of a thing. Ooh. Like, not for me as such. In other words, that a listener will f- it would cough up some uh, some gadget that they have that they would exchange for the touchless paper towel dispenser, and then they would leave their gadget here. And then another listener would exchange a gadget of their own. For whatever that guy brings. So it's sort of this, uh, kind of this daisy chain of, of like think geek products. So who product gets the swapping. gadget
2: that you exchange the paper towel dispenser for? Well,
1: let's say, for example, if a guy has the towel warmer, he brings in the towel warmer and he can take home the touchless paper towel dispenser. Towel warmer stays here. Later on, some other listener has heated bath mat. He brings in the heated bath mat. He gets the he gets the towel warmer. So it's sort of like you know, it's like one of those parties where chicks get together and they swap clothes. Or so whatever. ultimately,
2: are you okay. like wanting to get a Kindle or something?
7: No, no, no.
1: Because it's no, not. I no, think, I don't it, think
2: Rick gets anything. No, I won't equation. get anything
1: out of it. It'd oh, be, you
2: just want the listeners a geek trade off for the listeners. It is a geek gadget. This is an altruistic. Gift that exchange really is a good idea.
1: Rick, I like this. Rick, I come up with the occasional good idea now and again. Uh Kelly Clark, well, I'm a week. So let's talk. um About Catherine Dunn, who wrote the book Geek Love, which came out 24 years ago, which Mm -hmm. makes me feel unbelievably old. And I have no idea that she lived here or that she never really did much beyond that.
7: You know, she hasn't uh, released another book, but what she has been doing is running a boxing website. The woman is awesome. obsessed with boxing, which I didn't know this until I, I went through old, my old Willamette Weeks. Uh, she actually started a boxing column in Willamette Week in the 80s, kind of in the heyday of the Portland boxing scene. And uh, she became obsessed with it. She became a ve- very well-known boxing writer. And now she has a new collection out of her boxing writings called One Ring Circus. And it's great. And she's, is she,
1: I mean, she's not, she's awesome. Is she kind of reclusive or is it just that she's just, you know, she wrote some stuff and then she's busy just living her life? and uh, Yeah,
7: she's just kind of got her own thing. Um, you know, uh, she's, she's dropped by our office. It was, it was kind of like she came to the office and everybody's like, hey, love. you know, we totally right. freaked out. Um, so she's just kind of got her own thing going on. And, uh, you know, she teaches a little bit. She does pieces now and then she just. Hasn't done anything like Geek Love again?
1: Well, it was such a singular uh Absolutely. work. And and for people that sort of uh, hear the title Geek Love, it is not it, it's not geek in the touchless paper towel dispenser way. No. It is Geek Love in the circus geek.
7: Tearing uh, the heads off live chickens, chickens way. Chickens, yeah. It is is one of the it's one of And also it's set in part in Portland, so if you ever want a really great sort of creepy Yeah. You know, the, the creepy description of Portland. She is just—it's a fantastic gotta, read. Go to Palos. Go get the book. It's great. It, it yeah. really
1: is, and it is that rarest of literary uh, uh, um, the happenings. It is the instant classic in, uh, uh, in a lot of ways. So I yeah, strongly yeah, recommend yeah. that you read that. Um, but it, so, so moving from Portland, creepy geek love Catherine Dunn to this guy Eric <laughs> the Enlightened, and I don't want to spoil everything, but I will say that it's the cover story in the in the New Willamette, and um, and he's some. I mean, we seem to generate a disproportionate amount of. Creepy nutcases living in trailers, waiting for the apocalypse, or, or. guys who are sort of half crazy, half brilliant uh, religious leaders of some kind. Yeah, kind this guy
7: used to be—he uh, used to be sort of like an auto caller for the Oregonian, and then a couple years ago, you know, he realized he needed to fulfill his psychic potential. He's this kind of his name's Eric Pepin. He's kind of this heavy set, like balding dude who lives in Beaverton. But and I have to read the list of things he can do. He can heal the sick, he can control the weather, travel between dimensions, and communicate with God. And he is fighting a battle between good and evil in an alternate universe. So is it called we, World actually. Of War- no, actually, I'm pretty sure that it's it's the plot line from J.J. J. Abrams' other show, Fringe. <laughs> I mean, it's. Which is kind of awesome. Uh, so he lives in Beaverton and, you know, a couple years ago he started the Higher Balance Institute from Beaverton and he sells tapes and DVDs. He does one on one treatments with people. The DVDs are like $250. You know, the one on one treatments are like a thousand bucks and he's made millions doing this
1: which is just fantastic i mean that makes <sighs> me love this country so very very much that you can just be that guy and go uh, how much well how much is this dvd for spiritual enlightenment uh, it's 250 dollars 99 dollars okay and, you take mastercard
7: you know so what's really great is that our, our one of our news reporters james found out about this and he actually flew down to northern california to go to one of his sessions where he kind of sat on a couch and sort of expanded on the meaning of the universe and opening your mind portals and all this stuff and uh then kind of got into the story and kind of talked to him about this and his background. And really, I guess, you know, his his dad was into the psychic stuff. He was doing psychic stuff since he was a kid and then finally decided to cash in on it. And so he's got followers all over the globe. People, you know, move from the Midwest to be near him. He has stalkers. I mean, it's just hilarious.
1: And that is fantastic.
7: according to the rest of sort of the New Age, uh, you know, the New Age community, he's kind of fringe because he actually... You know, admits that he's a psychic or, you know, that he talks to God and stuff mm-hmm. like that. James tried to make him change the weather via phone. It didn't work.
1: Well, no, that's sort of an in person. Uh, well, God. it kind of worked. Seven or six for that.
7: Well, no, but it kind of worked because James is like, can you change the weather? And he's like, oh, I'm not, you know, it doesn't work that way. And then about five minutes later, it started sprinkling outside in Portland. Oh,
1: I wish I'd, I wish that I'd have is my insanity. suspense. Yeah. I wish I'd have my suspense music uh, it it was, for, when you, uh, for when you did that. I
7: mean, that's the best. Yeah. All of a sudden, you know, I'm walking by in the office, drinking a cup of coffee, and I hear, well, can you make it rain? And I was just like, I thought it was a euphemism or something. Oh, no, he really wanted moisture to fall from the sky. And I, I kind of saw it, so it kind of happened.
1: Hey, it's just, it's just sort of uh, <laughs> bringing this full circle here, before we wrap this up, I hate to go all uh, Portland and the ruining on everybody, but whatever happened to the, uh, the what's his name, the, uh, the Bhagwan, the Bagwan Sri Rajneesh? Ah. Where is that guy? Is he dead? I have no idea. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Yes. The uh, yeah, the poison the salad thing. Yeah, the salmonella guys mm-hmm. from the gorge, and they had the weird, and they had the 15 Rolls Royces or in the barn or something, and he had the, the the freaky like the the Rasputin beard. That guy was everywhere. He was omnipresent, and then he just sort of in a in a in a puff of insanity, kind of went away, and we never saw him again.
7: Yeah, actually, I guarantee if you type his name in on WillametteWeek.com, we've actually probably done an update on really? him, and I can tell you where it is. But I've I feel right. so bad. i uh, not this fine. fond of knowledge.
1: Well, wow. uh, that's okay. Kelly Clark from Willamette Week, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Talk to you again uh, next Thursday, ladies and gentlemen. Straight ahead, we have part two of our Lost in 408 uh, recap. That is on the way, plus more headlines from Tim Riley coming up at 9. It is Smells Like the 90s with their friend Buzz. And before the end of the show, a pair of tickets to the Zompire Film Festival happening this weekend as part of ZombieCon PDX. It's the Rick Emerson Show, Rock 101, KUFO. Indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we've talked a lot about secret aardvark habanero hot sauce and uh, how you can put it on things that maybe don't have any spice, things that might uh, need an extra dose of flavor. But here's another uh, instance in which you're going to find that it works really well. My uh, wife talked about how she was raised by Spice Wimps. That's kind of the name for her, you know, know, Provo and... Everything there is sort of a, a rather um, blandified version of normal food, but sometimes you find that uh, elsewhere. Uh, so last night we ordered, I won't say where, but we ordered some uh, some food last night, had it delivered to the house, and it's the kind of food that should have been spicy. And you know, it should have arrived spicy. They should have made it very flavorful. It should have had a lot of punch to it, and it didn't. And so you take out the secret artwork, you put it on there, and what it does is, is it adds an extra layer of flavor and spice to things without kind of ruining the taste of whatever the food itself is. So whether it's a food that is just uh, you know, sort of uh, spiceless in its original incarnation, but maybe you're just uh, feeling like you want it to have a little bit more uh, you know, uh, power to it, you add the secret artvark and it's fantastic, or maybe it's a food where uh, you know, you're know you going to have to feed a lot of people and there's going to be multiple uh, you know, folks eating it, and some of them like it to be spicy, some of them don't. Secret artvark, you keep it uh, nearby, you put it on top, and it's going to add flavor, it's going to add spice, and it's not going to overwhelm the natural taste of whatever it is you're eating. The recipe is right here in portland it's a portland company so you can feel good about that as well and you can find out more about it at secretardvark.com that is two ways secretardvark.com it is a uh, secretardvark.com where you find out where they sell it where they serve it and all that is wonderful and glorious about this condiment this spice this glorious sauce it is secretardvark habanero hot sauce one sauce to rule them all
0: Weblogs, streaming, podcasts, and complete archives of everything. Who's
1: an obedient girl? I am.
0: Visit KUFO.com
7: right now.
1: Wow. I nerve myself sometimes. It's five zero three two two eight is the Rick Emerson Show. By the way, we were desperately trying to watch this here in the studio, and it didn't it didn't want to work. We're having problems with our Internet connectivity. And I don't even think it's us. Actually, I think it's Google. I think Google is having issues today, which sort of Don't freaks ever me. Don't blame out. Google, Rick. Well, because I can get the uh, like I can get to RickEmerson.com, but I can't get to the YouTube video, which is uh, embedded there, and that of course is part of the Googleplex or, or whatever. Uh, but it's the trailer for the movie Giant Shark versus Mega Squid or, or whatever Mega 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 Octopus something. But it's the new Sci Fi uh, Channel film starring Deborah Gibson and Lorenzo Lamas. Is and that it's, the
2: one that had, is that the same channel that had Man Squido?
1: Yes, and uh, and Raptor Planet. So anyway, so if you get a chance, go to RickHemerson dot com and check that out. It is uh, it's wonderful. In just one moment, we'll find out what Tim Riley is uh, tracking in the headlines today, and we'll do the second segment of our Lost in Four Hundred Eight recap. Uh, now is the time, ladies and gentlemen, when you will have the opportunity to win uh, a pair of tickets to not only uh, the Zombie Prom, which is coming up this Saturday as part of uh, KUFO's Zombie uh, Con PDX. It is this Saturday night, May 16th at the Boston Nova Ballroom, 8 p.m. Uh, all the details are at zombieconpdx.com. That is the Zombie Prom. You'll also win a three-day pass to the Undead Film Festival, which is presented by Lurker Films, 15th, 16th, and 17th. That is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the Hollywood Theater. Uh, Theater Again, all the details at zombieconpdx.com. If you can be caller 10 and answer this zombie question. In the Max Brooks epic, World War Z, military veteran Todd Wainio is interviewed extensively about the battle of what? In the book World War Z by Max Brooks, veteran Todd Wainio is interviewed extensively about the battle of what? If you could answer that correctly, be caller 10 at five zero three. 228-4101, and uh, you win that ZombieCon PDX prize package, ladies and gentlemen. We're moments away from Lofton 408. Tim Riley, what headlines are we tracking today?
4: Well, the top headlines, some of the small airlines you might fly that have a name unfamiliar to you may be paying their pilots only $12.50 an hour. Nicole Richie is irate, she says. Public schools aren't teaching kids enough about the planet. Schools,
7: which the whole point of schools is to provide education, is educating children in math, science, history, but we don't educate them on nutrition and and how to get back to your planet.
1: How to get back to your planet? Give back to your planet. Oh, that's okay. correct. Uh, <laughs> all right.
4: Pfizer she... will give free Viagra to the unemployed. Are you making that up? No, it's a true story. <claps> what are the I mean That's amazing. Just like... uh, Those who have lost jobs after January 1st can enroll in the program through the end of 2009. They qualify for free Pfizer medications for themselves and their families.
2: Rick, if you're not getting paid, you might as well get laid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah!
1: Butt slammed! All right. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101KUFO. Let us now begin the second half of our Lost in 408 recap, the two part recap of the two part season finale with Chris Paddock and Sarah Dillon. Are we ready?
4: Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: Oh, damn it. That's totally wrong. Sorry. That's hot. Sorry. Wait. Sorry. And there we go.
2: The incident, part two. Okay, so we get to the so they finally get to the beach because Locke is taking them all along with uh, Richard and Ben to try and find Jacob so that he can kill him. Right, and we get to see the statue. We get to see actually part of the statue because at the beginning of the show we actually saw the whole statue in its entirety huge freaky looking like you know hippo face statue thing
0: exactly and it apparently we've been having this riddle the the whole season of do you know what lies Lies in in the the shadow shadow of the statue statue, so we're going to find out quite a bit about that because what we find out is that's where jacob lives
2: because we've been thinking that jacob lives in the cabin but in turn it might be the person at the beginning of the episode who lives there pretending to be jacob
0: now let's uh, also point out elana who Alana. is the character that whipped the crap out of Saeed in the hotel room.
2: Yeah, she's very exotic looking. She's she does, exotic. She seems a little other timely.
0: She's carrying something in a box, mm-hmm. and we want to find out what it is. In fact, uh, Lapidus gets to see it, and he says, terrific.
2: I know. I found myself yelling at the screen seven Seven, like, like, what's in the box?
0: Yeah. What's the box? they did. Wouldn't tell us, so we had to wait till the end. Well, anyway, they go to Jacob's cabin and they burn the thing to the ground because obviously this is not where Jacob lives. And this Jacob's- is
2: something else. And also, there was a piece of the cloth with a picture of the statue on it, like that was uh, stabbed into the wall with a like a machete thing.
0: Exactly. And uh, they also, point out the ash around the cabin.
2: On uh, the circle,
0: the circle is broken. <gasps> We've had a listener, listener Sean, mentioning. That is where
2: Like a circle of protection? Yes, kind of? it's a
0: circle of protection, and apparently evil was released. Oh, boy.
2: So, okay, so get back to the, the beach. Statue, yes.
0: And uh, Ben is now been told, hey, you know what? Uh, my daughter, uh, the ghost, saw me and said, I have to do whatever you tell me, John Locke. And Locke so, tells him,
2: all right, then well, right. this will be easy for you, so you're going to kill Jacob for me.
0: Exactly. So, they get to the beach. Uh, meanwhile, 20 or 30 years earlier, there's the H-bomb thing going off. Oh, yeah. And... Finally, Jack convinced everybody, look, I'm going to set this bomb off.
2: Throws it down the well, nothing happens.
0: Nothing happens, although a bunch of stuff gets sucked down the well. Mm -hmm. uh, Because the electromagnetivity is is sucked in 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 a tearjerker moment. Including Juliet. Juliet, Elizabeth Mitchell is sucked down the well so she can star in the new series V next season. <laughs> is that true? Apparently. Yeah. She's it, in the pilot. It was so
2: sad and touching as the Sawyer's leaving her and he's crying. And, you know, she's, he's trying to hang on to her and then she gets sucked down the thing. That was one of the most touching moments of loss. And you also see Miles rep, uh, rescue his father who's pinned next to the well by his hand. And we
0: found out how Dr. Chang lost his arm. Mm-hmm. And it's because his uh, arm was pinned underneath it.
2: It blows your mind. Tons and then, of metal. And then finally, Locke makes Richard show him how to get into the thing, entrance, into the bo- base of the foot. So they go in and they Locke go in and ben
0: there are together and Locke and Ben are in there and they find Jacob. Meanwhile, outside on the beach. The friends of uh, the, that Alana, Alana and, and everybody in Lapidus, they show up with the
2: crate. And they open the crate.
0: And guess who's in there, folks?
2: John Locke's dead body. That's right. John Locke was not resurrected from the dead. In fact, the guy at the beginning of the episode who said that he's going to find the loophole to kill him was in fact possessing John Locke's spirit or body or whatever. I was, was waiting for him. Agent
0: Dale Cooper to show up, actually. <sighs> that would be amazing. In the Black Lodge. But anyway, I digress. So they get in there, and now there's this confrontation between... Whoever is possessing Locke's body, and we have a name for that. Yes, we were
2: talking about it. What was it, Rick? The, it's we biblical
0: were, because the Jacob... The biblical names
2: are talking about Jacob and, es- and
0: Esau. Esau, Esau yeah. So we're thinking that uh, there you are, the, the black and the white. Jacob's Jacob the chosen one. The, Esau was hated. Exactly. And Esau has found this loophole. He's possessing the body of John Locke.
2: And convinces Ben to stab and kill Jacob.
0: And that's what happens. And then Jacob gets thrown into the fire just to make sure he's good and dead.
2: Oh, and then at the end, Juliet's thrown down the wall with all the metal stuff, but you don't realize that she's not dead. And finally she wakes up, tries to activate the bomb. Here is a tip of the hat
0: to a classic movie you might know, Rick Emmer beneath the planet of the apes it's where chuck heston basically hits the plunger and it was his way of saying you know what let's end this crappy movie series right away i don't want to be in any more of these Uh juliet gets
2: the bomb smashes it smashes it with a rock rock. it blows up fade to white fade to white instead of black white instead of black or white lost on black background white Background black loss,
1: and so that's it until uh, till next season. Yeah, and then we got the tease
0: 2010, the final season. So uh, I was waiting for the year that we, we make contact to and come I, up as well. I will
1: say this: um, the, uh, Matthew Fox uh, claims that he's the only person who knows the ending to the series. I mean, Matthew apart Fox from, is a
0: douchebag the show no, writers, no, no, no. Matthew Fox is a proud Oregonian, and we should befriend him so we can find <laughs> out the secrets
1: of
4: the show. I'm you're just going to see him walk on the street, and he's going to remember you said that. Oh, apart Matthew, from he'll find months, you, if you if <laughs> not more. He'll be like David. Don't
2: hunt me down, Matthew Fox.
1: Like David Simon, who just keeps, like, a Rolodex of every person in the media who ever... No he's uh, stocked into some thrift store, one of these. Now he says that other oh. than the showrunners, that he's the only person that knows how it all uh, comes together. So. I bet you how he's just he... saying that to pick up girls. Yeah, the to- well, yeah, that's I that's mean,
2: totally it.
0: Which I bet works. You want to know the secrets of Lost?
2: Hey, it would work on me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're in my pants. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Chris Paddock and Sarah Dillon, ladies and gentlemen, Lost in 408. All right. Excellent. Uh, We want to thank SENA radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum for joining us today. Also Cena radio correspondent Jim Roop from Los Angeles, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com, and uh, Chris Paddock for joining us for Lost in 408. Uh, Be sure to join us tomorrow when our guests will include Aaron Geek in the City, Duran, ladies and gentlemen, who will count on the top five zombie films all time, we'll give away our uh, final uh, pass for the uh, Zompire Film Festival and the Zombie Prom and our final pair of Cinematic Titanic tickets. You can find out more about uh, those at CinematicTitanic.com and ZombieComPDX.com. Rick Emerson Show, produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillin for Rock 101, KUFO. In the newsroom, it's Tim Riley on the phones, Greg Nibbler of the Nibblonians. Uh, at the front desk, the gatekeeper is Dave's in. the web mistress, Bridget, from upstairs. CBS Radio Portland marketing guru uh, is uh, Susan. Don't F with me, Reynolds. And uh, executive producer, Christopher J. Paddock. Smells Like the 90s is next with our good friend, Buzz. It is... Th- Thursday, May 14th, 2009, and that is The Frequency. Kenneth, see you tomorrow. Bye now.